Long day? Really long. Speaking of Vietnam, I saw a really interesting documentary, or a piece rather. It was a very short clip about, uh, they were talking about how marijuana, it was changed war, and how Vietnam was the first war where the soldiers were smoking marijuana and they became reluctant to fight. And it was all about the mentality of the soldiers just completely changed when they were in Southeast Asia. And they were smoking weed, and they could smell the Viet Cong smoking weed, like, over the hill. Like, they were, like, close enough to each other to smell each other's weed. Shut up. Yeah, and one guy was talking about how there was one time where he was high, and he had seen this Vietnamese, uh, this Viet Cong soldier, and he knew that that guy was high, too. It's like, they looked at each other, and they knew they were high. <laughs> just started and they knew they didn't even know each other and they're gonna shoot each other because you know some fucking people in an office somewhere say that this is how it's supposed to go down but those vietnam guys were the first generation to hear stories about war yeah like because their dads came back my gra grandfather came back from world war one world war two mm -hmm. and was fucked up like fucked up like and they didn't know that you could fix it they just thought well that's what happened to my life I was 18 and it just switched and now I'll drink beer in the garage by myself. Well, they don't know what to fix it with. Even though what they're doing now, they're, they're really taking the long way around. What they really should be doing is giving, giving these soldiers, the ones you know that want to do something about post-traumatic stress disorder, I mean, you shouldn't impose it on them, but giving them Ibogaine. Ibogaine and um, ayahuasca are two of the most potent psychedelic mixtures and they're responsible for so many different people getting off of heroin getting over really? past yes it's dude it's like conversations with that god seems like man. that would be like the worst thing possible to give somebody that's never not that, in though. touch re with reality you know no 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 what it does is it lets them know what really happened it lets them see it from an emotional perspective why there's this big gigantic hole in them that that freaks out whenever they think about the past and freaks out and re relives all these moments and you can go over it with with, especially with Ibogaine. I've heard so many different stories about, and also with uh, MDMA, you know, MDMA, which is ecstasy. They I would first love to used do some it. therapy with that. <laughs> that was the that was idea. the funnest drug when you didn't know it would fuck you up. Yeah. Well, it does fuck you up, though. Bad. That's why I won't do it. I did it once, and that was it for me, And but I learned a lot, man. I I learned a lot about, like, insecurities, and, but anyway, the, the point is about, about soldiers, like, you know, and, and people that are addicted. There's people that have, like, problems with heroin, problems with alcohol. They can fix all that shit with ibogaine geraldo uh right i said like when in one of his lowest points took a bunch of acid because he said that he heard that that would fix his right problems and he said it didn't well acid's not known for that i mean acid well it, it is kind they of self-observing right yeah but i mean it, it, i think acid also just freaks people out so much it, like when it wears you off it's like so uh, what used to, someone described it as abrasively introspective that it just like so freaks you out that it might be too much for someone who has like an addiction. You know? Mushrooms, I think, are a little. Mushrooms are good. Anything that's enlightening, anything that allows you to step back and, and look at it. But it has to also jive with your biochemistry. You can say everything enlightening, but what if you're that one weirdo that's allergic to peanuts and, you know, you can't even drink Diet Coke or you get splitting headaches? Are there people that are you know? allergic to weed, like, physically? Sure, there must be. There's yeah. people that are allergic to everything, I would think. A lot of bronch, like, people that have, like, smoking allergies in general, you know, yeah. they, you know. Yeah, but if that's the case, are they allergic to you to eat it? They're uh, or what about vaporizing? Um, well, vaporizing, vaporizing still has smoke in it. I don't care what it's people mist. say. Yeah, but it doesn't get hot enough to smoke. It, it, That's the whole deal. But you still cough from it. I don't cough from it. I, I, you coughed yesterday. Terrific. You coughed yesterday from it because I remember going. Mm. Uh, you're gonna be really fucked, man. I no, I think think so, Brian. I yeah. think you're attaching that moment, uh, that memory to some other time. I didn't really. Dimitri cough. Martin's allergic to alcohol. Really. Yeah, and peanuts. Like if you throw, I shouldn't say you, this. You then could you be know. really mean and throw something else in there. If you throw. <laughs> He's allergic to pussy. You know, you say something stupid there. I don't even know the dude. There was an opening right there.
He's a regular. Is he? Yeah. And he uh, is allergic to alcohol. So what happens and, when and he drinks? And peanuts. Oh, peanuts. he breaks out. If you throw a peanut on his face, his face will swell up. Wow, that's crazy. Talk about fucking being helpless on stage. Peanuts, Someone doesn't man. like your throat show and just flicks a peanut do at they, you. Does he know? He knows. I mean, do people... Now people know. You, now people... I just fucked just him up. fucked him up, man. People are going to be throwing peanuts at him. That shit's kind of fucked up because I've worked in so, so many kitchens before where, like, easily there could be peanut in something and then just be a dumb waitress that didn't know or you're at this you're making a salad and a peanut flies into something you know, it just right. seems like, like that's just thai crazy food, like pad thai the yeah. peanut sauce and shit yeah lady in front of me was allergic to shellfish on the flight yesterday coming back from dc and they gave her shrimp and, and put it in front of her and she flipped out she was like i can't have it around me i can't if it, i can't even be around it like and, and i was like oh that's if we have to land this suck. fucking pain because this chick can't eat shellfish whoa she was freaking that she bad? was freaking out pretty bad people do though because that's her think about that that's your windpipe yeah like i'm allergic to gerbils right right and people wouldn't really? recognize it bad enough. fucking bad gerbils? your ass swell if, up and stuff no my wife my kids got at her school they got a gerbil and so my wife was playing with the gerbil one morning and then washed her hands got in the car grabbed the steering wheel i went to take my sister to the airport grab the steering wheel yeah. my eyes shut this this part you know this part of your eye that lining part uh-huh. swole up over my eyes. Oh my okay, God. I started cr- water's coming out of my eyes and it's burning lines down my face. My windpipe closes up and I'm just like, oh, and shit. but I don't know what's happening at the time because I'm like I just fucking sat in a car. Right. Like, I'm like oh shit this is a stroke something's going down. I call my wife and then I start thinking did she fucking play with the gerbil? I just asked out of the blue. She was like but I washed my hands and I was like fucking wow. Oh my God. Can you believe that's but how I washed my hands? Yeah, right, you did. <laughs> Fuck you did. You didn't wash your, you didn't wash your fucking hands. <laughs> Trying to make up for it. Revisionist history, motherfucker. But yeah, but I washed my hands. Oh, that's oh, nonsense. That's craziness. Sounds like something a 13 year old would tell you. So, could you walk through like a pet store if you just didn't touch anything? Or have you ever done that just like because you're feeling dangerous on oh, a wow. Saturday? Fuck no. That is so even... crazy. So, anybody that has a gerbil in their hand and touched the doorknob, you could touch that and it would just jack you. That oh, seems yeah, fucked up. Yeah. If I touch, like, I'm allergic to cats, but I live with my, my wife has a cat. So, I live with it. So, I've gotten over the allergy. Wow. That must have been crazy in the beginning of the relationship, Dude, huh? Fucking talk about swallowing your pride and fucking deciding uh, my life is more less important than dating this chick. Wow. And the doctor, we sat down with an allergist one time, and he's like, so here's the deal. The cat cannot be in the room with him, or one night he might die. And then, you know, Whoa. and the cat is fucking there. And, and your wife's like, but I love the cat. She tried. She tried, <laughs> but she'd hear, she'd hear the cat clawing under the door. And like she wanted to let him in and let him yeah, sleep She's in known the cat longer than me. I'm like four months in. Whoa. Wow. Fuck. It was all soul, uh, just destructive. Yeah. Wow, you got shows over a I cat. Might kill, I might have to kill that cat. <laughs> Oh, Damn. Dude, the cat she called one night she, when we were moving apartment, she was like, We can't find Gus Gus. And I was like, Oh, that's too bad. I was like, Sweet. <laughs> and then I came home. Gus Gus. For Gus. like a day, we couldn't find this cat, right? And then my daughters were getting upset because they're like, Daddy, Gus Gus is, he's hungry. I'm like, He's a fucking street cat. He can fend for himself. So then I go into the older, old apartment to look for him and I hear him. He's in the fucking dryer. Oh, no. So you and turned I, it on. Part of me is like, there's a moment where you have to make the call. Do I just not say anything and just leave? Like in that, in those fucking movies where you just go, huh, and just walk by. Or do I rescue the cat and deal with my allergies? And I'm like, I can't fucking kill an animal. I can't let an animal die on my watch. Yeah, not like that. Either. Not like that. You're going to kill it. At least stomp on its head. Yeah, punch Don't, it or something. Yeah, kill it quick. Oh, Don't let it kill it. Fuck my, it. My cat, when I was in... 
high school, my dad accidentally threw the cat in the dryer. Really? Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> the cat had gone to sleep in the hammock or in the in the um, the hamper because it was uh, warm clothes in the hamper. And um, no, 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 that's not the co- the story. The story was there was, I guess he went to sleep in the dryer. Whatever. Somehow or another, the cat got in the fucking dryer by accident. And my dad heard all this thump, 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 And he opened it once and looked, and the cat was out. And the cat didn't move, so he was like, well, I guess nothing's in here. And so he shut it again and again, thump, 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 thump. And after like a couple of minutes of this, man, then he opens it up, and the cat comes out screeching, and one of his teeth was broken off. And my father felt so bad. He felt awful. It was just such a bad scene, you know? The cat lived, though. That's a shitty story. Yeah. Cat lived. With yeah. one fucked up tooth. <laughs> you know, he's had this one fucked up tooth that reminded you of like, no wonder this cat's crazy. Imagine one day you wake up and you're in blackness and you're falling on metal every wow. half a second. Yeah. You're just getting beat over the head. You're, someone's just beating the fuck out of you and you're flipping through the air. What a crazy way to wake up inside a dryer. And then to survive that after minutes and minutes in that fucking dryer. I had a buddy who passed out and fell into a pool and that was a terrifying way to wake up. That but cat I can't needed imagine. Ibogaine. That cat needs yeah, Ibogaine. I was just going to say, yeah, that, why don't you heal that cat with some psychedelics? I know. I need to heal that cat with some ecstasy. By the way, don't don't listen to anything I say. Don't take anything I tell you to take. Stop it. Don't don't listen. Yeah. I am just a fucking comedian, all right? I am not qualified to be diagnosing life-changing chemicals to any of you fucking freaks. Well, a lot of those guys <clears throat> that come back, like my my cousin, they're fucking fearless. From the war? You can't fuck... You can't phase these dudes. Like, oh, yeah. Once you watch a bunch of people shoot at you and you shoot at them and kill people. And then you like, got some fucking frat boy telling you he's going to fucking knock your teeth in at a bar. Yeah. And you I, you watch my cousin not give a shit. Yeah. You literally just go... Really, like, he got wasted this weekend and fell down a flight of stairs and split his head open. And he was like... And all his buddies are like, he's fine. I'm like, dude, he has a head injury. He fell down fucking... At the DC Improv, down those stairs. I've never been to DC Improv. It's like a fucking slippery, icy stairs. Wow. And so he... And they were like, he's fine, he's fine. Don't call a fucking ambulance. Just... Hold, Johnny, you're gonna be fine. Johnny, you're gonna be fine. He's, and he and then he starts throwing up because he has a concussion. Oh, okay. All over the place. That's and I'm like, good. I'm like, we're calling an ambulance. I don't give a shit. But they're fucking... You just can't fade these kids, man. That's a yeah. new generation coming they're back here. Toughen it up. Yeah. Now, coming back here after those experiences, hundreds of thousands of them, right? God. Oh. Stand-up's yeah. gonna change. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's so unfortunate. You know, it's so unfortunate that you got people that are willing to do, you know, literally anything for their country, like Pat Tillman type people who really are true heroes. And then, you know, you look at what they get used for. You know, you look at how chaotic you talk to any soldier that comes back from Afghanistan and tell you it's fucking chaos over there. Yeah. No one thinks you could fix that place. That place is bananas. It's fucked. It's fucking <laughs> warlords, man. They're it's, like Michael Vick's dogs. Like yeah. you just got to fucking cr- crazy. And they're. Another thing is they fuck boys over there like on a regular basis. It's like there's a the weird culture over there where they, there's a lot of like men who take in like little young boys. Like they fuck them like on a regular basis. It's like a natural part of their culture. It's so common and so prevalent. Like everything over there is so alien to us. There's like one city in the whole country and the rest of the country is just like warlords. It's like you can't control it. There's like a hundred different fucking dudes with a hundred different, you know, harems. And, you know, they're, they're rocking one part of the country and holding it down. And, you know, the best way they get information from these dudes, the way they communicate with these dudes, they give them Viagra. 
That's what the American soldiers do. So, Viagra, because they can't fuck their wives anymore, so it's hard to hold this harem. It's hard to be a warlord when your dick doesn't work anymore. So they're oh. giving them Viagra, and now these like 60-year-old oh. dudes who were just trying to you know, hang on and keep the young bucks at bay, now they can bone again so they can get some credibility. Oh, you can't have love it. 18 hot young wives and not fuck any of them. Someone's going to fuck one of those bitches. You know, you yeah. know what's going to happen. You're going to have to shoot some young males or something. You're going to have to prove your dominance. Wouldn't you, you know? if, if you had gotten fucked in the ass as a child, wouldn't you say, I mean, this is the way I am. I'd be like, well, I didn't enjoy that, so I'm not going to do it to somebody else. Well, that's a, a, ra a rational, logical way of thinking it, but apparently... What happens to some people's minds when something traumatic happens to them is their mind gets rewired in a very, very unhealthy way. And somehow or another, when people are molested, they have uh, some folks have uh, an urge to do the exact same thing that happened to them to someone else, almost like they're reliving their pain and their tragedy and reintroducing it to another person to try to understand it or something. I mean, it's like it becomes an addiction to them. It's, it becomes very, very sick. Like, I heard of women sometimes that get raped. Uh, day raped, try to fuck the same guy over again to try to like make sure it was okay. Wow. And then right. a lot of times those guys don't want to be in that situation again because they know they did the bad thing. Right. So then they veer away from it and then that fucking ruins the woman that got date raped. Oh, God. That's horrible. Man, I hate psych psychological shit. The way your brain tries to fix things yeah. is insane. It just, is insane. I think that's why That's I why bullying is so dangerous. You know, when you hear about kids at school getting stuffed in the lockers and all this crap and then wind up committing suicide. And some kid recently, um, fuck, this story was so crazy. Some I don't know the full details of it. It was someone, something someone told me, but some 14-year-old kid there was a bunch of kids they were out on some little event this kid climbs to uh the the top of uh 10 stories breaks a window and jumps out in front of everybody so they're all on there on some fucking vacation or some school trip or some shit this kid smashes a window and just skydives into the pavement in front of the whole class shit yeah, no were you bullied at all yeah, I was bullied. Yeah, was that's bullied why I got too. into martial arts. Really? Yeah, I think almost every comedian is bullied. But me, I, I moved. I was first of all, I was little. I wasn't a big guy, and I moved around a lot. When my family was seven, we moved from New Jersey to Florida, or New Jersey to California, and then California to Florida. So it's like I never really like stayed long enough to make like good friends. I would like live in one place, and even California, we lived in one street. Then the next year, we lived you know halfway across town, and then you know in Florida, we moved a couple of times. It's like. Man, I just never really had a chance to make like long-lasting friends. And I went to an all-boys Catholic high school. Oh Jesus, that was just torture. Oh. I mean, and and then I was like the funny, like the funny guy to my friends. <clears throat> so the older dudes would just fuck you up, and it wasn't even like bullying; it was just beating you up. Wow, it was just like you just got you knew. Yeah. I got beaten up one time. This this guy on the baseball team, uh, Freddie Rosella. I'll say his name. I don't give a shit. Fuck that dude. <laughs> He's st still a beast. He was a beast when we were all fucking like children. He he was had like ball hair. Like he was a monster, <laughs> damn. And he's That's a little kid with a beard. Dude, the guy was shaving in like eighth grade. I mean, Whoa. he was a monster, and his arms were huge. And he was the captain of our baseball team. And I was like junior, sophomore. And he, I was making a joke, and he said, "Kreischer, shut your face." So I went as a joke, and then he did not get that. And then he went to go fight me, and then I was like, "But then they broke it up." Wow. So then we get done. <clears throat> he goes into the dugout, and I'm playing catch with my buddies Joe and Troy and Dean and warming up and we see him walking out and we're walking in they're like oh freddie gets upset sometimes but he's just coming to apologize you look he's got a bat he's probably had enough to the batting practice and he's just gonna say he's sorry so i was like okay don't worry i got this one so i have a glove in hand ball in the other hand i'm like 
Hey, Freddie. And then he just, with the baseball bat, just, just wow. starts beating the shit out of me. And Whoa. like my three wow. friends got on and they couldn't pull this guy off of me. I, have a ball. I never let go of the ball. And I'm just no. like, ah. and then, you know, and then of course I just go to crying because yeah. like, I, I was still like a, a young boy. And then, and then he beat me up and then the coach was in there and son and fucking, and then we both played left field together. So I had to go out and sit in left field with him after that. Whoa. But those things, like that's why I think women. So that's, how do you how do you get past that moment and when run by him again when this guy beat the shit out of you? He came to see me at the Tampa Improv. Whoa! Recently, Are you serious? and he he me and him probably never talked about it. We were cool after that. Like I mean, we were like, you know, we played on the same team for a year after that. And but he came to Tampa Improv. He's like, "What's up, man?" I was like, "Hey, how you doing?" And <laughs> And then, but I'm still like gun shy, right? Cow, you know Cowhead, the guy in uh, Tampa radio show. Okay, yeah. Cowhead, I used to tell a story about getting in a fight with a black guy. There was uh, I did it on my hour special, and it's a real story. It's a true story about getting the shit kicked out of my, me by a black guy. Cowhead looked him up and found the dude, and was like, "I'm bringing him in studio." Oh my god! I was like, "Please don't fucking do that." I was praying the guy was dead, and be, his daughter listens to the show or whatever. I was like, "Fuck." Because I've been telling jokes about this guy on stage for the past eight years. There was this one dude that I went to high school awesome. with. I don't even remember his name. I think it was Kevin. He was this black kid that was way bigger than everybody else. He was like this football player. I didn't really know him very well. Uh, I knew his brother. His brother was a nice guy. But uh, he, he was like a scary dude to me. Just looked like like a Mike Tyson looking dude. Yeah. And, you know, I, I remember, like, uh, no one ever fucked with this kid. And everybody was always nervous. But there was something about him where I'd be like, man, this guy just seems like... He just seems like too dangerous. Like there's something about him. Like that makes me fucking nervous. Like yeah. someone could be that much bigger than you when you're 16 years old. That much big. Turns out he wound up murdering somebody. Wow. Yeah. Well, we had one kid in our neighborhood. Uh, definitely won't say this guy's fucking name. Um, the one kid you knew was weird, but you didn't know like how to like. You just everyone would be like, "Who wants to go ride bikes?" And he's like, "Who dares me to go in the woods and put a stick in my ass?" Like that kind of kid, right? Just crazy. One night he was he had the keys to his this chick that lived in our neighborhood. He had the keys to her house because his parents were watching their house. And he's like, "Hey, you want to go in her house and get weird?" And I was like, "They're not here." He's like, "I know. Come on, I'll be fucking crazy." I, I go in there and I cut the uh, the uh, pussies out of their underwear. And I was like, Ugh. "So my sister calls me like like six months ago. She's like, uh, you remember uh, John?'" And I was like, "Yeah." She was like, "He's in jail." I go, really? And she goes, yeah, he was working for um, for Circuit City when they were going out of business, and he stole one of their trucks filled with a bunch of equipment. <laughs> and I was like, really? And she goes, yeah, and they arrested him, and then they fingerprinted him and found out he had been killing chicks down by the causeway. Wow. I was like, serial? If you fucking said serial killer to me, I would have been, like, if, if I was the guy next door, I'd be like, I fucking knew it. I knew it. Whoa. I saw that coming. Wow. Holy shit. How many girls did he kill? I have no idea, but but I was like... And I've looked for it online. I can't, online. I can't find it online. It's so hard when you run into someone who's completely fucking crazy. Yeah. It's like, what, what, you know, there's no way to fix that guy. When you're None. 15, 16 years old or whatever, and you're all of a sudden you're going to high school and you're hanging out with this kid who you know is completely insane. Yeah. And it's a what small neighborhood, fuck? like eight boys. That's it. Oh my God. And we spent the night at this kid's house and like just. Fuck. And I'm like, holy shit. But man, he, I'm getting. I wonder I, when he started. You got to. You gotta be, it starts young. I remember him shooting a frog with a BB gun, and I remember him asking me to do it, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't kill an animal. I just couldn't. In my head, it, you know, at that age. But he was like, it's, it's, it's fun. It's easy. It's easy. They, they don't move. But uh, <clears throat> I think you have to start, it's gotta start in college. I wonder what it is, you know, because some people like Jeffrey Dahmer, 
they say there's nothing wrong with his upbringing. You know, some people were abused when they were younger. Some people have some, you know, various reasons for why they're so fucking crazy and psychotic. But with Dahmer, Dahmer was one of those weird ones where they like, there's nothing was wrong with his childhood. But what, what parents going to be like, yeah, I did that. Right. right. Of course. Of course. No, Dahmer's parents are going to be like, yeah. I fucking didn't know you're not supposed to finger their assholes. Right. Every day. Yeah. Every day. By the way, speaking of finger their asshole, <laughs> I saw a clip online of your show where you went to the uh, Gracie Academy in Torrance <laughs> and uh, you were talking about defense and you said, yeah. uh, oh, I'll just grab their balls and finger their asshole and Horian <laughs> just stone-faced you and the way you held it, dude, was so funny. I was laughing out loud. You held it just staring at him for like fucking 10 seconds, man. Where it was like no one said anything. And then he's like, okay, let's go learn some techniques, some arm locks and some joint locks and some jokes. Dude, I got choked out that day. I saw it. That is ne- I fucked me up for like a week. Because yeah. really? you know what it's like to, to die. You yeah. know what it's like to be totally helpless and your windpipe to close and, yeah. and your blood to stop and you fight it just like you see in the movies where you go, no, 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 no. Yeah. Mm, it's very helpless. Go, very helpless, especially with the gi on, man. When guys get collar chokes on you. That's what he did. He gave yeah. me like the Fuck, collar thing. Man. Very hard to defend those. And that's Very why hard. I stopped fucking with dudes. Because I realize now, everyone's a badass. Everyone <laughs> is. I almost got in a fight. I almost got in a fight recently. Uh, really? Outside. Yeah, because I just was like, my br- my we brain drunk? is. No, sober. It was in the morning. I was going to shoot something for Comedy Central, and I my I needed a bathing suit. So my sisters live on a, an apartment building uh, below Starbucks. So I like fly in, and I kind of block it two spaces, and I they're just gonna throw my bathing suit to me. So they throw it, and then as I pull out, I realize I blocked it, and this guy's pissed. So he um he's really pissed. As I, as I pull out, he zooms in, gets out of his car, and starts yelling at me. Now I'm do come. I've been in a lot of fist fights, so I do come from that kind of like mentality of like talk shit and let's. That's my mentality at the time. So I, I said talk I, shit and let's fight. I'll fight. I mean, right? I, yeah, like, really? You just ready to fight some dude? No, 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 not now, not now. How long ago was this? <laughs> this was this was like th- three years ago. Oh, okay, so, you're a different guy now. Very. <laughs> yeah, right. This moment and then the moment happened the next day. So then I he yells at me and I rolled out my window and I I yelled at him. I go, I was just trying to get my bathing suit. Like, like that's gonna right. fucking like he's gonna go. Oh, I didn't know. Go ahead. But I was like, that was my defense. I'm just getting my fucking bathing suit. I wasn't being a dick. And then he goes, "Fuck you. Learn how to drive." And so I get out of the car. And then I stand up. And I come out here. I stand out of the car and I go, "Come out here and be a man. Prove you're a fucking man." Oh no, you Why didn't. Why would you at do a, that? At a oh fucking, my god, at, you're crazy. At a, at a fucking Starbucks. Now everyone's like, "Do you waiting. know how to fight at all?" No, but I know. Yeah, I know how to. And this was L.A., right? This is L.A. Oh you, you, wait a minute. Have you do you have martial arts training? None whatsoever. You don't know how to box. No, you never wrestled. Never boxed. Never wrestled. No sparring. Just fist fights in college. And God damn, dude, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Exactly. And it was at that moment that I realized if he walked out, I would have to fist fight. Right. What if he's good? Oh, what do you, you do? What do you do if you get out there and you start talking shit to a dude, and the dude just holds his hands up real natural and starts bouncing around on his toes? I get my car and drive away. Or he just pulls out a gun and shoots you. Yeah, this I, is yeah. L.A. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that too. It's it, that but too. it's that moment that it you might need. beat your ass first. Yeah, you need that one moment where you go, "All right, that's never going to happen again." Yeah, why, why, why have unnecessary conflict? You know, that's an unnecessary moment. That's like just management right there. That's management of stress and emotions. Yes. Because really, you don't even know this guy. If, if that was you, what if you had done this and the guy who you cut off was like your best friend? And, you know, you cut him off and you're like, fuck, I can't believe I cut Mike off. 
You know, Mike's my best friend. Yeah. You know, your interaction with this guy is all based on, you know, this 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 conflict that you're having. But those you thoughts don't that go guy, through your mind. I know, I know, I know. But if you can rewire your brain to try to think like that. Was he driving a Prius? No, he was driving a teal Prius is BMW. a douchebag. Yeah, I was going to say, I might have Except done it if Brian I saw Cal. a Prius. You know? <laughs> he had a teal BMW. I told you I'm on an eight, eight count, eight so far. I've seen eight Priuses flick cigarettes out their windows. Yeah. Eight. That's yeah. crazy. It's amazing. I, I started noticing it in San Francisco. I'm like, why do I keep seeing these eco cunts throwing cigarettes out their window? Yeah. There's some, they have some weird justification. Some well, weird. you could also think that you could just own a Prius because you want to save money on gas. You don't give yeah. a shit about fucking. Yeah. I swear keys. to God, I unplugged this fucking cunty phone. Yeah, it's funny now. That's what <laughs> it's I not funny, dude. <laughs> what? Call from what? Planned Parenthood, Joe. Planned Parenthood. I don't. John Mendoza, it sounds like. <laughs> How do you hear Planned Parenthood? <laughs> I'm always thinking Planned Parenthood, you know? <laughs> <laughs> if anybody should, you. Yeah, you should. Great place to pick up chicks. It's the yeah. subway right underneath the Planned Parenthood. Get a bunch of sad so girls. So we, what were we talking about before we got cut off? Yeah, don't go and get in a I'm not, man. no, I've, I've, I mean, I've, it's like a total hippie thing to say, well, look at that guy as if he's your brother and treat him as such. But, you know, a lot of shit can be avoided just with, like, cool talking to people shit that could just turn your whole life into ugliness oh dude you one know? fucking i knew a guy in college that punched a dude one time and killed him he fell back yeah. on a on a thing and kevin james went to uh he was a bouncer for a while and he was a bouncer with this dude and uh, a fight broke out between some drunks something happened bouncer punched this kid the kid fell unconscious and banged his head off the curb and died the bouncer was fucking college kid just trying to make some money. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's in jail for like years. You know, it's like some serious shit. He got charged with manslaughter. I think that's a lot of the reason why I wear hats and sunglasses so much. And I always look at the ground. I've never, because especially out here, I don't want, I don't care. I don't need to talk to anybody. If I want to talk to somebody, I'll go to you, you know, type of attitude. Like, I like. Huh. People, it's funny when you see those people that hand out things on the streets, you know, mm -hmm. like flyers or people like trying to get you to sign things when you walk right. into the grocery store. You see that I watch them like go, hey, to every person and I get up and they don't say a word to me. They like, because I purposely sent out a vibe to be like, don't talk to me. Yeah, I'm not happy when they get me in the parking lot of the supermarket when I'm trying to put my groceries into the truck. Yeah. You know, what are you doing? This guy comes up to me with his one finger up in the air. Okay, holding it up in the air, like above his head, and he points it at me and he goes, Do you have one minute for gay rights? No. Do you have one minute for gay rights? Unless we're talking about lesbo rights. <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, dude, I'm going to my fucking car. Get out of here. <laughs> this is nonsense. No, I have one minute for you. This ain't about gay rights, man. You're yeah. not going to fix gay rights by me giving you a dollar or by me giving you my fucking email address. That's not going to fix gay rights. What's going to fix gay rights is voting and people learning how to be nice to each other and not being prejudiced. Not some fucking weirdo who accosts you in a parking lot with a finger in your face. Do you have one minute for gay rights? He was just so pronouncedly offensively gay. Yeah, you know, with his finger in my face. Gay guys, come on, man. Gay guys have just fucking hate me. Why? I don't know. They see me and I think they just look at me and they're like, "Fucking that guy was a nightmare in high school." Think you're homophobic? <laughs> oh, in a heartbeat. Yeah. I I'm, think the, you, I'm I think the furthest thing from homophobic. I think you look like a decent bear, you know? I do. A decent bear. Bears, yeah. for the folks at home that are innocent, is what a hairy, overweight gay man is. <laughs> a bear. That's what they call them. So. <laughs> and now, now a bunch of people are looking at this going, oh, that is right. Do you have chest hair? Yeah, yeah, chest hair? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. This just show got so gay right there. <laughs> Both you two, you just almost kissed. Have you ever seen a gay porn? Yes, accidentally. Accidentally. Yeah. Me too, and I watched it for 45 minutes. I mean, I've minutes. seen a bunch of shit on my uh, website. There's always stuff. 
stuff. But one time uh, I was uh, I picked up this girl in Long Island and we went back to her place. And uh, she had she said, there's this video that's here that was uh, here when I moved in. I think it's porn. And I go, oh, yeah. And so she throws it in and it's these two dudes in the woods. And one dude's got his back <laughs> against a tree. And the other dude is looking at him. And I'm like, why is he looking at him like that? And I'm like, I didn't know it was a gay porn. I thought it was a porn. <laughs> Put a lot of backstory in and this. I'm like, yeah, man, this is going to be a strange story. I, I never did like the story ones. I like the clips. Just cut yeah. right to the bone, and I don't need to know that you're a pizza man, okay? Yeah. So anyway, this this dude pulls the guy's pants down, starts sucking his cock, and I literally like started hyperventilating. I was like, what? Like I'd never seen. Mind you, you kids today, you grow up. This is the age of the internet. You you see dudes sucking dick all the time. Yeah. I had never seen a man actually suck a dick until this moment, and I was probably. Probably 22 years old, somewhere around then, 22, 23. So this guy starts sucking this guy's cock. And I was like, wow, they really do do it. That's what I that's what I thought in my head. Like I knew what that's what gay was. Like I lived in San Francisco for three years when I was younger. My actually my aunt, I told the story before, but my aunt used to get high with these gay guys that lived next door and they used to smoke pot and get naked together. And like one guy would play the bongos and they were really weird. And it was like this big muscular black guy and his white little bitch boyfriend and my aunt yeah. would go over and smoke pot. So I grew up with gay people. That didn't bother me. I didn't know but watching the guy actually suck the cock, I'm like, Whoa, you can't take that back. Dude, I'm like, you, just, you are sucking a cock on video. I can't believe they That's could get forever. people to do it. I couldn't believe that they could get people to do it. Like, even if you were gay, you want people to know that much? You want people to see the gay stuff? It's, I used to have a joke about, um, you're going to hate this. but uh, Why would I hate it? Because I, I used to say, as what I looked at the audience and say, who's seen a gay porn? No one. I said, who's seen the UFC? And then everyone. I go, here's my pitch. Mix the two genres. <laughs> Right, fights where the winner gets to fuck the loser in the ass. Now, I'm not saying anyone would watch the entire fight, but how hard would you fight if your asshole was on the line? You would fight hard as shit. No tap outs. Yeah. No tap outs. Just the best part in my that I thought would be after the guy is unconscious, watching Brock Lesnar try to get hard in the thing. Like, Give me, I just don't want to get hard before I can fuck him in the ass. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. So what if that? Yeah. What if he takes him down to rape him and the guy's out? He can't get it up. He can't get it up, and he's just sitting there. And then the guy starts coming to him. He's got to start. <laughs> A no contest? Who's that? <laughs> Maybe he, did, he just didn't win by tap. Yeah. He didn't tap that ass. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but they, you'd always get like a. Why would I hate that though? That's hilarious. I don't know. I just thought, like, UFC guys. Because it like brings it. up the whole, when it's so gay with two guys rubbing dicks. Well, guys you. like you like to think it's gay. That no, way actually, you, you know, no, you know what? I, I might have thought that when I first, you know, thought of it the first time ever. But now, you know, I don't think of it. But it's funny. Every time I go to like open mics and stuff like that, that, that whenever they talk about UFC, that, that comes up. The, well, sure. The, the gay the, thing. That's like Asian drivers or yeah. black guys yeah. don't tip. Yeah. You know, it's all like, it's all right there. It's a hot it's the, topic. It's the, well, it's the easiest conclusion. Conclusion to draw, you yeah. know, like yeah. you know what do you, you know, see? These guys in their underwear, looking gay. They stopped wearing the tight ones. I Some like the guys tight wear ones. the tight ones. Yeah, that's George, how I. George St. Pierre will still rock the tights. Yeah, was packaged there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> He's just smuggling it. Now, would you ever fight in UFC? No, I would not. Never. Have this. I don't think you should ever dabble in fighting. I think fighting is, is a very, very, very dangerous thing, and you should be obsessed with it, and it should be your sole focus. 
You yeah. shouldn't be, you know, a stand-up comedian slash, you know, author slash podiatrist slash UFC fighter. No, when was the last fist fight you got in? Like a provoked street fist Not fight? Not since I was in high school. Really? Yeah. Now, how, By the you... time I was in high school, I was already a martial arts champion. See, I, I was so scared of getting bullied and kids fucking with me that I just became obsessed with martial arts. Yeah. And so when I was, you know, 16... I was already winning all these these big tournaments when I was 17. I was the Massachusetts State Championship. I was fighting in the men's divisions when I was a kid, when I was like 15 and 16. So most of the kids that I knew at the time, they all knew that I was doing that. So but I would so assume... people just left me alone. But I was still terrified. I was still scared. Even when I was fighting in tournaments, I was afraid of bullies and getting my ass kicked. I didn't totally believe that I could kick someone's ass. Really? Even when I was knocking out grown men and in, in, in sparring and... You know, and then, you know, having fucking wars in the gym, I would still run into bullies and, you know, kids that I knew that were like bullies and I'd be scared of them. I just did. I didn't want them to fuck with me. I wanted to make sure I can get away from them. Let me just go around the outside. Like, even when I was winning fights against trained fighters, I was still me, like, it fucks with your head. Me and my friends that we all got bullied by the same bullies, you know, but we were all like the artist kids, you know, uh, uh, what we would always do is like like draw pictures of them like with cocks in their mouth and stuff like that and just like right. like put them around like the bathrooms right. and like the girls bathrooms we'd throw them in there you right. know we'd just turn around the corner and just toss a bunch of drawings in there like it'll say like you know did you copy them or huh? did you just rake the same drawing over no we and over copied again? them and then uh like with a make, copy machine yeah oh. uh, but we would make it like kind of like currency and they knew we were the artists. Right, your mic people. is so much louder than everybody's mic. <laughs> we it's knew. The same thing. <laughs> we the knew. same thing as yesterday. Is there a setting or I'm something? I'm so much lower on this board. If you look, come look at Maybe it. Maybe your mic is better than ours. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, so, uh, but anyway, so we would draw a bunch of different ones. So there was like all these kind of like $5 bill, $10 bill, $20 <laughs> bill, different kind of currency you know, of, bullies getting... of bullies with dicks and cocks and stuff <laughs> like that. Hilarious. That's so funny. Yeah. I wanted to. I just pitched the Travel thing. Channel. They were trying to think of uh, ways to promote my new show, and I thought I had the most genius idea. I was like, "What if you made like busts, a bust of me like this big, right? Just my bust, and like with my mouth open, and you it fit over urinal mints, like urinal cages. So you'd put them in urinals all over the country, just me with my mouth open, so people could piss in my mouth. I was like, everyone <laughs> would fucking talk about oh. those." And, like, I thought it would, like, spread like wildfire. And they looked at me like I was out of my fucking mind. I'm fairly confident I would never have come up with that idea. You, did, But if you saw <laughs> one in a bar, would you not bring it up? I would never want anybody pissing in any symbolic mouth of mine. Because I don't want to give anybody that idea. I don't want dudes to go, yeah, and then after we piss in his mouth, let's, let's fuck him in his mouth. I hadn't thought it all the way through, possibly. Let's hold him down. You jerk off in his hair, and I'm going to shit on his chest. You know, I don't want to open up the door for anything okay. degrading. It wasn't flushed out, yeah. but I thought it would be like one of those like marketing geniuses. Mm. Would you, would you would want to give people something that everybody wants and needs and doesn't really have on them. Like if you want to give them lighters, you know, or something like that with Burke the Conqueror lighters. Or give them something that they're going to use so they're going to enjoy the fact that, oh, I got this from Bert the Conqueror. Like a keychain? Yeah. Who uses a fucking keychain, man? That's silly. Yeah. That's just more shit to have in your pocket. Put your fucking key in your pocket, right? Yeah. You know, but like, you know, Bert the Conqueror keychains, that's not going to come up. That's not going to, but, but like maybe a lighter, you know, especially people who are smokers. I was, I told him to print like a thousand stickers and just send them to kids. 
that'll and then they'll mm-hmm. get annoyed. They're gonna yeah. stick their stickers. Bert the Conqueror cunt. He's got his fucking stickers all <laughs> over my school. What is uh what what is a thing though that you could use that would really help people besides like pens and shit like that? Like what would people enjoy? Is there a piece of swag that people would actually be happy to get? Um, Brian, you're into all that shit. You, yeah, you know the thing I would think of iPhone cases. That's not a bad move. Because it's I mean, I know expensive. so many so many chicks that have no iPhone case. I'm like, dude, you're so fucking stupid. You're going to break this. You know, you're going it to drop so it. Looks so dope without a case. It does look yeah. dope, but all their excuses is like, I know, I just need, I just need. It to is get pretty one. stupid that you have to have a case too. That bothers the shit out of me, yeah. man. I think that's so dumb. I had that little rubber bumper on. I dropped it, shattered. Really? Yeah, that I got the rubber bumper. One. Yeah, I got a good fat rubber one now. Yeah. What about what about Bert the Conqueror ma- uh, magnetic wristbands? Oh, those hologram bullshit bands? Yeah, those bullshit bands. Those things pass them out, and people are like, oh, (sighs) fucking this. I've seen so many high-level fighters wearing those things, and it makes me so sad. It's like, why don't you just take a chicken head and wrap that around your neck? It's snake Do some voodoo, yeah. But it works. What is that, Brian? See, this is like a rubber iPhone case that I got the other day from some Japanese For the folks watching on listening on iTunes, he's holding up some sort of a... Oh, you just got that for free? Japanese. No, I didn't get it for free, but I'm just saying if you t- feel it, this is like a cheap... That is a cheap product. Well, how, they cost like 30 bucks, though, dude. Yeah, but that's, how much is that su- that's super you? markup. If you go to really? eBay, if you go to Amazon, you can get like a box of these kinds really? of... So how much do you, you know, think that would cost to get this printed probably, Like a dollar? Well, I think probably just the part alone, I'd probably say like 90 even a dollar thirteen, something like that. Something cheap. How did you come up with a dollar thirteen? Because it seems more official. Hmm, it does, right? If you right. added like an extra number in there. I bet there's a company on the internet that you could print out your own iPhone cases. What about Birth of Conqueror sunscreen? Like mm. Little packets of sunscreen. That's Just, not a bad idea, as long as you know that it doesn't like give you cancer or something. Because <laughs> I've read some crazy shit about sunscreen actually contributing to cancer in some people. Fucking great. Yeah, That's all I do is yeah. lather in sunscreen. I do too, man. Fucking, I, I have a, a friend of mine who's got skin cancer right now. Oh. Had a big, big chunk of meat removed from his head. Now, how did he really notice? Was it itchy? Or Here's was... the scary thing. He went to uh, a dermatologist, and the dermatologist said nothing. The dermatologist said, I don't think you should worry about it. And then a year later, he went to another dermatologist, and it turns oh, out it's fuck. skin cancer. And it was pretty deep. They had to really dig into his head to cut it out. Wow, that's scary. Because, I mean, I have this one mole. I'm a moly motherfucker. You moly and, and, bitch. And I have one, this one mole on my back that always feels so weird. It's like crusty feeling sometimes. And then I went to the dermatologist, and they're like, oh, no, that's fine. Here, look at these pictures. See? that that's what you want to look out for where it looks like red dots and it's like all crazy looking i'm like okay but i've always thought no that's not right that's oh, I'm, i have that checked out 10 times i'm a hypo massive hypochondriac so, are you really oh i found a fucking ingrown hair under my arm one time and because i just hung out with schimmel i was like i got fucking non-hodgkin's lymphoma this Whoa. is how it starts oh my god and i was and i fucking convinced myself whole flight home went straight to the doctor and she looked at it and she goes, it's an ingrown hair. Holy yeah, shit, check, dude. Check yeah. this out. I had an ingrown hair in my belly button. Do you remember this? Oh my like, God, I gotta see this. It, this is like four, <laughs> four or five years. Again, this show turned gay. Four, oh I my look, God, I gotta dude, see this. That would look got, amazing in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh. If you have an ingrown toenail, anything ingrown that's pussing, I'm dying to see oh, yeah, it. Really? You don't, you haven't typed in bot fly, bot fly extraction? I have seen it. Oh, I want one so bad. Like, what just the, the fuck idea, is wrong with you? Just the idea to pull it out. Maybe I don't want one. I want my uh, wife to get one. On so you can pull it out. Oh, that looks oh. awesome. Let the, me see your. Can't those I, things? I, no, I don't have it now. This is like four ago. or five years oh, ago. And it, you it, got a weird pus thing going on, son. It's, you don't go. You don't do that. I'll fucking. I, <laughs> if I get anything like a good pimple, oh my god. It swelled up my belly button to the point where you couldn't even put your finger in it, and then one day it just 
filled up with blood and yellow stuff and well, white stuff. You gotta be really careful about staph infections. And this is for anybody that listens to the podcast. Please, if you have any weird infection on your body that, you know, maybe it's a spider bite. I don't know what it is. Go to a fucking doctor and get that checked out because you could fucking die. Staph infections are scary shit. Did you guys, you probably don't know the comics. His name's Roy Johnson. He's from Tampa, right? So I, I'm going on Facebook one day and I click on it and, and, the, and the thing, his post is, Doctors say it looks like I'll keep my leg. And then I, now I'm like, what the fuck, right? So I go to his page and I start clicking back older posts to find out like what happened. So I go back like two months, two weeks later and, and it starts like he's at the Dayton funny bone and he's like, yeah, so um, I got a weird bite on my leg last night. Uh, well, I wonder if it's a spider bite. I'm going to get some calamine lotion next day. It's getting worse the day after that. Okay, this is really starting to concern me the day after that. I'm having a hard time walking. And like you can see it getting worse and worse and worse. And then he ends up in a hospital. He's like, doctors say I'll keep my leg. And I'm like, oh, wow. fuck. It's like this guy. It's like this. And what was it? I have no idea. I it must have been MRSA. It must have been that that there's a crazy strain of staph. We talked about the antibiotics, Brian, about people not taking their antibiotics in the full dose so it doesn't kill the bacteria. And it creates things, these antibiotic-resistant strains yeah. of, of infection. And staph is one of the scariest ones, man. Oh, fuck yeah. There's, I Donna like... D'Errico apparently has it real bad. Who? The Baywatch chick, Donna D'Errico. Shut up. Yeah, she got MRSA. She got it real bad, apparently. It was in the news. Like She was in like, like really bad shape. I always worry about that at Barry's boot camp, like if because I, I don't think they clean it. Well, this is what you got to make sure. You know, when, when you ever get any sort of scratch, there's a there's a company called Defense Soap that has a bunch of different uh, uh, solvents or salves and all these different things, and uh, they're all natural oils that kill and any like funky infections. But any open wound, any open scratch, you got to clean that. That yeah. has to be cleaned, and you have to make sure you put something on it. You know, this uh, the, these ointments and salves, they're all like natural. It's all like eucalyptus oil and tea tree oil. Kills all funky shit. Yeah. You know, just give yourself a fighting chance. But dudes run around with like deep scratches, and they don't do anything about it, and something, you don't clean it, and then it gets infected. Like, you could fucking lose your arm. Yeah. Like, that's, that's no joke, man. I know yeah. a dude who got one in his elbow, and his elbow was fucked up. He got it in jujitsu, didn't know what it was, hurt him, didn't do anything for a while. And by the time he went to a doctor, you know, he's a, a tough guy, he's an Australian dude. Yeah. By the time he went to a doctor, it's too late. He had this giant hole in his arm because his, his arm had swollen up to this, this monstrous looking mm. thing that's twice the size of a normal elbow. Fuck that's that. Crazy. It happened to Ari Shafir too. Ari got one on his knee. And we were playing pool and I saw him limping around the pool table. I go, what the fuck is going on? And he goes, I got bit by a spider. And as soon as he said that to me, I said, oh, fuck. You know, I had had staff once, and I was lucky that somebody pointed it out to me. I didn't know what it was. I, I got it really, really early. It was just a, a few pimples on my leg. And my friend Tate looked at it. He goes, dude, what is that on your leg? And I go, well, I don't know. Is it zits or something? He goes, I think you got staff, man. You got to go get that checked, that checked out. And what it is is... Uh, it's folliculitis. I forget, I forget how it's what the actual term is. But when you see like follicles that are like little infected follicles, that's the beginning. That's the beginning of a staph infection. And it could be nothing. It could go away, or it can get ugly and be nasty. And Ari's had turned into like this swollen, pussy-looking thing that looked like he had been bit by something. And it was just a rampant staph infection. So wait, how do you get rid of it? Well, he had to go on some serious antibiotics, and he got it again. He got staph again, like a year later. Wait, how's he nothing. getting it? Like just like well, he really got it nothing? from jujitsu. Okay, he got it from jujitsu, and that happens in jujitsu. And the way it happens is you're getting scratched and scraped, and you know you're sparring. And when you're sparring, you're essentially you know going 
pretty much full clip on each other. And, yeah. you know, you, you get cuts and your knees scratch on the ground and and if you don't wash yourself like Ari would just like fucking he would just like not take a shower at all even that night and he would have like 10 dudes rape sweat all over him just leaking into various holes He's in his just body a honey pot of disease in a bed festering and then some poor shit gets in that same bed the next week and fucking the next town and, ba- and bangs uh, chicks in that bed and by the way Ari changes his sheets no bullshit once every six months <laughs> He went six months without changing his sheets. No, it was, I think it was even longer than that. Cause really? It was like, yeah, a very long time. And he wonders long. what would, why the fuck he gets staff. Yeah. Yo, dude, you gotta clean your house, son. I love that video of his asshole. Oh, oh, so clam? oh my god, it's the best. Yeah, so strange. So it really defines what hemorrhoids really are. Yeah. Like, yeah, I didn't know what they were. Anus. Your, your butt is, your butt's popping out from the inside. How do you do stand up with that out. in the back of your pants? I know, oh, man. How do you show it to everybody and not give a fuck? I can't even no. sit on my wallet, and Ari's Ari's sitting on a golf ball. Yeah, I, I think it's comfortable though. It's like squishy. It's probably like you know, like those things you put on your in like your an shoe. Air mattress. No, like the doctor shoes. <laughs> He's gelling. He's just gelling. Ari's just gelling like my Hey Ari, how you doing? Just gelling. Just gelling. Oh no. Jelly donating. He's his mind. Told, works totally different than mine. So yeah. I was talking to him about getting on smoking weed to get a prescription to, for flying because I have a terrible fear of flying. And he's like, dude, you just gotta take one of these gel tabs. And I'm telling you, man, like him and Ralphie. Yeah. Two people that I just don't under. Hey, player, just take two of these. And don't listen. Okay. Don't yeah, listen. I think they're fucking being dicks. Like they're, they, they don't yeah. mean to. But like I just I took like half of one and was melted. Yeah, a breast strip, one of those little things. If you get a hold of those jammies, those you take a half. Take no, a half no, if, you, if you're an OG. Just don't eat any. Yeah, don't eat anything you, a, if you didn't I'm make it yourself, anymore. man. Yeah. It's just too hard to know the dosage. They got to regulate that shit. Yeah, it's not fucking like dudes that work in Intel making microchips with fucking lab coats on. Right. It's some yeah. asshole in a tie-dyed t-shirt and a goofy ponytail, <laughs> and he's throwing some shit into a bowl. And if he's know? making it, he clearly has a high tolerance. Yeah. He's like, who am I going to make this dude, for, fucking kids? Exactly. I, there's a dude that came to visit us, and uh, he came to visit us at the uh, John Lovitz Club, and he gave me some shit. Me? <laughs> And Joey, after the show, we both like just sat there. And Joey always leaves. He right. always leaves. Yeah. Always. Yeah, you know, if I go on stage, I know that it's the second show. By the time I get off stage, Joey's gone. Yeah. I got off stage. I'm saying hi. I'm saying bye to the staff. Thank you, everybody. Blah blah blah. Gathering all my shit. And I see Joey sitting in a chair. Yeah. I ain't gonna lie to you, dog. <laughs> I ain't moving. I ain't moving, Joe Rogan. That's how high I am. You're not going anywhere either. Stay here with me, cocksucker. Stay here. The whole time he was sitting there watching you, Joe, when you're on stage, sweating, like hand going like a thousand miles a moment, just just sweating. He would look at me and get those eyes. <laughs> you know, he's like looking at you yeah. like a... The point being, these motherfuckers and their cookies, man, they were too strong. Ari ate, uh, they had like these, um, what are those called, biscottis? The guy told me only eat a half. Ari ate a whole one, mm. and Joey ate one and a half of them. Oh no! Yeah, Joey ate one and a half. The guy says eat a half. Joey goes, ha! <laughs> <laughs> I laugh in the face of danger. <laughs> he just ate all of it. Yeah. No wait. Does no? What happens to your brain when you get? Is getting too high like getting too drunk? No. It's when you get really, really high, especially if you eat it, it's really psychedelic. It's very, it's, uh, it's really introspective. And it really it brings up your past and you start thinking about all kinds of weird shit about your childhood and things that you did, you know, that you're upset that you did to someone when you were like seven. You know, you'll, you just start really tripping out about weird shit. And yeah. it's, it's much more, uh, it's, it's, it's like a much deeper, much more like 
psychedelic trip than just smoking it. When you smoke it, if you get really high, you get paranoid, you get hyper aware, you start feeling really vulnerable, you start being really sensitive to shit. But when you eat it, you start hallucinating, especially when you close your eyes. When you eat it and you close your eyes, dude, I always, for me, for whatever reason, it's cartoons fucking. That's what I see. I see these really bizarre alien impossible to describe cartoons fucking and i can never exactly see what they look like because whatever they look like right now is not what they look like a second from now yeah. they just keep morphing and changing and it's like some sort of these alien cartoons fucking that's what i see every time i close my eyes when i get super baked that's what i know if i've eaten like a pot cookie that's when i know i'm deep in the terror zone really yeah you get into that <laughs> that that strange place of it's almost feels you feel like you are now in another dimension like you've yeah. entered into an alien world you look at the world around you the mechanical world like airplanes and pilots and stewardesses and cars and trolleys and you look at all that shit and the mechanical interfacing it all becomes like you become like super aware of it all and it yeah. feels like an alien world you because there's a world all around you that you've totally taken for granted that is completely bizarre. The world of you climbing into a metal box with these squishy rubber tires connected to this hard pavement that they've created and molded over the earth. And you're you're in this box. And while this is happening, the giant fucking nuclear explosion that lights everything up and you're spinning around it going a million miles an hour through the fucking universe. It's, it's just too much, man. And you have to compartmentalize your life. And what pot does is it doesn't let you compartmentalize. You can't say, well, I got to get the kids to school. You know, pot, pot goes, yeah, you do. But look at what life really is. Yeah. Look at space. It goes on forever. Inside every galaxy, there's a black hole. Inside every black hole is another universe filled with hundreds of billions of galaxies, each with a black hole, each with another universe with hundreds of billions of galaxies. And all, the, the, the whole mass of it all just starts fucking overwhelming you. That's, that's, that's the problem with pot. That's See, why people think, like, you know, people go, oh, it makes me paranoid. You, you know, it's, you should be paranoid. Yeah. If you were really smart, you would realize, A, a the shit all ends everyone's gonna it's gonna stop oh, what for all trying, of us are we trying to get me into an anxiety attack <laughs> <laughs> jesus christ but i mean that's I mean, something right. that we ignore you know we if i think we should appreciate the moment but we should be aware that it's temporary you know and to deny it and just to put it in the back that's not helping you because then when the pot comes on you know and you get super paranoid about that what you're super paranoid about is about something you haven't really addressed in your own mind yeah. you haven't come to grips with it it's a real fucking thing that one day you will find out is there a god is there a devil is there fucking space <laughs> aliens that take you away in their crafts right or is this one step in an endless cycle of things that you can't even recognize what the next one is it's so bizarre and alien this is alien man this this world that we live in if we didn't live in this world we were some sort of a, an, an empty rational objection ob objective being you know that was like looking at human culture we would say this is the this way to live is the craziest thing ever that's why that's why uh if i ever get really rich i'm moving to idaho i'm buying a mountain i'm making a huge rock rock sculpture of myself <laughs> With with paintings of like carved into the mountain of what I did, like real outrageous <laughs> stories. That's the only thing that's gonna be left. That is, you're gonna go like make Pharaoh Pharaoh Kreischer. Yeah. Because that's, that's all that's left, yeah. man. That's all that's left. All the steel crumbles. What's gonna be me, Crazy Horse, and the fucking four presidents? Yeah. yeah. And they'll be like, who is this? How, how dope is that Crazy Horse structure? They're still working on that thing. <gasps> I'll be doing that shit too. They that's what you should do, forever. Joe. Let's do this, okay? I will I will spearhead this. I will quit comedy tomorrow, okay? okay. I don't need a lot of money. All I need is like a bunch of dynamite. Damn. And, and and I just want to be Do you your know how to do this? Kick. 
No, we'll figure that shit out. We'll figure it out. Lewis and Clark made it across the fucking country. Dude, I've been watching this new show. I think it's called The Wild Within. It's a new it's show on, on the channel. Travel Steve channel. Renna, yeah. Dude, I watched it last night for the first time. I saw the ads and I started TiVoing it. Fuck, it's awesome, man. Dude, guy, and he guy, went dude the goes, Lewis and Clark way through Montana. On the dude river. goes uh, pit bull hunting for fucking uh, uh, boar next week. Jesus Christ. Like oh. old school. Like yeah. we're taking some pit bulls. We're getting a boar. Dude, I had a dog that was trained for that shit. I had this Hawaiian pit bull that he used for wild hog hunting. He oh. was crazy. Frank, you remember Frank? Mm -hmm. Frank was crazy. That was a dog. I could not stop that dog from wanting to attack other animals. He was bred to go after hogs, so he was like super, super aggressive. It was a tremendous pain in the ass. Now, how's your dogs dog like with that. the girls? Oh, they're great. Yeah. These, the dogs that I have now are very like the, the Johnny, the big one, the Mastiff, is very calm. Yeah. He's you know he's he was like the guy who bred him bred uh, dogs for Fear Factor, and he really is conscientious about how he mixes them. He makes sure that dogs that are aggressive to people or even other dogs, they never get to breed. So he only breeds the best personalities, and he's been doing it for generation after generation. So he really is, it's, and he's very proud of it. So his dogs have like the best temperament. Like I went over his house, and his dogs, like they're these giant things, but they're so calm and friendly, yeah. and they come over to you to check you out and assess and make sure, okay, let me just make sure you're cool. Okay, come on in. Come on in. Relax. That's what I want. Yeah. You I want one of those. I'll hook you up. I wanted an Argent Argentinian Mastiff. Those are crazy. You got to be careful of those. And why I didn't know. And yeah. then and then I submitted. I sent an email to the lady, and then she sent back a questionnaire. And yeah, the do first, you have kids? First, yeah. First question: Do you have kids? And I was like, Yeah. Second question: Do you plan on sleeping with the dog? I yeah, was, I was like, I don't understand. Like sex you have to bond or... with them. You have to is bond that what it them. is? Yeah, oh. a lot I didn't know of. Uh, didn't want before with them. before Mrs. Rogan moved in. I used to sleep with the dogs. Really? I used to sleep with two pit bulls in my bed. Yeah, yeah. They they love it. They love sleeping with you. They yeah. they love you, man. Dogs. You know, when you have a real relationship with dogs like that, they really are like this sort of subhuman baby that you have. It's like it's not quite human. You don't love them as much as that, but you know, there's an affectionate, like loving bond between you and a dog. You know? Well, ever since you and Callan, like la two weeks ago or last week, mm -hmm. said like you were guys were talking about how crazy is it that we're riding horses? Yeah. Like I started looking at animals like just sitting in my house like. It's weird. I got fucking dominion over that bitch. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, it's, what's weird is when they can kill you and they don't know. You yeah. know, like when you have a pit bull or my mastiff, he could kill me. I've, I've worked with chimpanzees maybe <sighs> four or five times. Yeah. I had a, I had a chimpanzee. A, an adult? An adult chimpanzee oh on, my, on my shoulders with both ears in his hands. Oh, no. For fucking Spike TV. <laughs> and I was like making 13 grand an episode. Oh, my God. You're fucking crazy. Fucking possibility of my nose being bitten off. A, Dude, a real good possibility. A real, I've worked with was chimpanzees. Was it a male? A lot, male chimpanzee <sighs> are, are, sitting on my neck. I, John the John Moore, this one, my, one of an EP I've worked with a ton of times, has a picture of it. And he's just got both my ears in his hands. I worked with a bear. That how fucking, big was he? He was a fucking beast. Like how big? Or how like, much did he uh, weigh? Like he was like a seventh grader. What like, is the seventh grade? Like, hundred pounds? Uh, yeah, me, yeah. So it was pounds, sort of pounds. an adolescent. Chip. Yeah, it wasn't still, fully grown. Yeah, I wrestled a bear one time for that Burt show. Dude, <laughs> the, that's the fucking scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Did you ever see the video of that guy who is a trainer and the bear kills? I killed his brother or his cousin. I think it was his brother. It's this. I, it might be the same bear I worked with. Really? Because I worked with the bear that was. It was a movie bear. Yeah. So it was like the bear that fucking uh, fought Will Ferrell in the movie Semi Pro. Really? I yeah. think this is the bear we're talking about, yeah. dude. That so, bear killed somebody. So they Hold bring, on a let's, let's find this out real quick. because I think, I that think his name case. was Bam Bam, or it's from Bam Bam's family. One of the bears that we fought that day was named Bam Bam. I know that. Right. Or I think that. This podcast is filled with bear talk. Semi-pro bear kills trainer. Yeah, that's the first thing that comes up. 
What was the bear's name? I think it was, it was either Bam, Rocky. Rocky and Bam Bam were the, the two bears. The massive animal who are named Rocky is being put through obedience exercises. Was being put through obedience exercises. Wow, he just decided to just bite this dude on the see, neck. Where's it? Let me see a picture of where it is. That looks like where it was. Is it so in California? That, um, yes. Yeah. Big bear. Yeah, we had to drive out. We had to drive out. Dude, to this fucking, is the bear. This bear killed somebody. This we it's the, you know, there's only like four bears you can work with. It's like <gasps> fucking black so, ho- black actresses. So you worked with this murderer bear. <laughs> Wait, that, you, that was a really good joke. We're gonna pass by. That was pretty good. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, that fucking, that's so true. I, I wasn't even thinking about it. No, I apologize. So so I, I like how you claimed it though. You like stop, stop. Yeah. That was a good line. <laughs> it's really, that's strong. I like that. So you go to the. It's like oh, how's Al Sharpton keep getting work? What the fuck, man? You guys can't do better than that guy. That's that guy's ridiculous. the safest man in America. No yeah. one's killing him. It's so ridiculous. No man. white supremacist is going to kill him. They love what he does. They don't care. He's so yeah, he's so buffoonish. He gets up with his windows open. So Al so, Sharpton walked by the comedy store one night and we were <sighs> hammered. It was me and God, I forget. I think Ari was there. Eddie Bravo was definitely there. And uh, and he he's walking by and as he's walking by like Al Sharpton, we all just start yelling out, oh, Al Sharpton's a pimp. <laughs> Al Sharpton, work that motherfucker. <laughs> and everyone's yelling at like five different dudes, go get yours, Al. <laughs> Fuck those dummies. And, you know. he, and he's like kind of waving and not knowing how to respond and we're just like letting, you know, we know you're a crook but go ahead, go get it. He, you did you hear him? how he got his, uh, his the Tamara Broadley story? No, his, story? Uh, his, his relaxed, hair relaxed? No. He used to look like fucking buckwheat. Right. And then uh, and then um, Godfather of Soul, James Brown, was said, I can get you a meeting with the president and we can get a, you know, we'll get in there tomorrow. I think it was like, I want to say it was Nixon or fucking Reagan or Carter. James Brown just called the office and was like, we got a meeting. I saw it in the movie Good Hair. We got a meeting. And he goes, listen, I ain't taking you to meet the president if your hair ain't relaxed. <laughs> so he got his hair done just like James Brown. No way. Yeah. It was on the movie Good Hair. Best fucking movie I've seen in the Good longest hair. time. You cannot go through TSA and not guess if black women have fucking weaves. It makes you reassess black women entirely. Oh, that's the best movie. So anyway, so they on hurt Bert. I fucking I had I had broken my ribs. I got mauled by a bull. Whoa, whoa, whoa! It's online. It's online. Just type in hurt Bert rodeo. This is all from your show. This hurt Bert. This is one I did right after the X show where I met you like ten years ago. So. It stepped yeah. on your foot and it hit your side or something? Broke my ribs and broke my foot. Wow. So a bull did this to you? Bull yeah. didn't teach me a fucking thing on this show. They just bring me in and go, so today you're going to be a rodeo clown. I go, what do I need to know? And they just stay away from the bull and just let the bull loose, put me in the makeup. Oh, my And it just God. fucking broke. It just mauled me. And so you're then, lucky you're alive, man. Dude, you have no fucking idea. You have no fucking idea. Who's responsible for this show? Who Mark the- Cronin. Who's the producers? Mark Cronin, the guy who does, uh, he did Celebrity on VH1. Like what the year was this? Life, 90, 2000? Oh, so they really weren't hip to how dangerous all this shit was. It was, yeah. it was done through Fox, and they were literally like, I remember them going, um, the, it's simple, we'll just pay him as a contestant, and then we'll give him the rest of his money for being a producer. So my, I was covered. Because you were a contestant. Technically. I was, wow. like, I was like a reality show contestant, so I was covered under that. Uh, insurance clause and then I was just paid like the rest like uh, 80% of the money as a producer an executive producer on the show wow so that but the idea was it was it's you can't sue yourself because you're a producer right it's your idea and it's the most brilliant show that never took off it was it was Jack Asmey's dirty jobs do you want to see it Joe I would go out and I would do I would take dirty I would take dangerous jobs for a day 
So I was a professional football player, MMA fighter, hockey player, dominatrix gimp. Did you actually have an MMA fight? No, I just fucking fought three Gracies at once. Oh, when they and they just beat me up. That, yeah. So and, that was what I watched. That that yeah. was, man. That's a what is like like putting your fucking body on the line like that all I the was, time. I was young and I was in and I just was like and it, it and that was the theme of entertainment at the time was that like jackass I had done this ass wax in like 2000 that had blown up before jackass <laughs> I did an ass wax it's the funniest thing I've ever done in my entire life yeah. I Brazilian, swear to god if you're listening to Brazilian this just waxing? type in Bert, hurt Bert ass wax and it's it's longer because that's the way segments were made then but it is the funniest thing I've ever done in my the, the funniest wow like Cher got a hold of it and started passing it around to people and like it got talk soup yeah. clip of the year how I mean, do it I was not like, know this yeah, I, I, that's I, the reason I'm right not fucking I literally everything I've ever done is just kind of like fallen it happened how long is this clip uh, it's too long too the, long yeah the, okay. that's wax but uh so then then and then we did the bull thing I broke my ribs and so we had to kind of stay in the city because I couldn't really travel and they're like so after you broke your ribs did you they give you time off say okay heal up and then you go right back at it they gave me a, like two weeks and then what yeah two weeks and then two weeks off and you have broken ribs two weeks I just laid in bed was on bed rest didn't do anything right but you can't just go back out with broken ribs because you can they can fracture and become you know yeah. embedded in your organs and yeah shit. yeah we didn't really think a lot of this through god damn dude <laughs> dude when I was a football player we were doing helmet to helmet contact. I basically shot a porn one day when I was the when I was the dominatrix camp. I basically shot a porn. Really? I mean, I was naked, and this girl was just fucking doing everything she could to my junk, like putting weights on my balls and whoa. And it you was had insane. To do this? It was insane. Well, it was there was it was the wild west of reality television because what was huge at the time is Fear Factor, right? Everyone's eating shit, jumping out of shit, and like crazy, and so. It was this next level stuff where you didn't know you could just host something and be charming and people would stick around for that. You just had to take it to the next you level. You had to fucking try to bring it. And you were competing with that dog eat dog, like jackass. Right. So, I forgot about dog eat dog. I mean, yeah, it was like the craziest shit. So then the the opus, not the opus, but like the height of it was towards the end when they were like, hey, do you want to fight a bear? And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, who does that for a living? And they're like, you do on Thursday. Oh my god! Wow. It, sure enough, man, they just took me out and fucking. Dude, what was that like? Uh, ter- terrifying, cause terrifying, cause you see the bear, he's totally wild, like he's jumping up and down, and there's like a crew there, and I and I got in this by this time, I realized they don't have a really they don't give a shit about my safety, cause I'd already gotten fucked up by the bull. So what they're looking for is the end, is to hurt Bert, Bert to be hurt at the end. So um, so then I mean it's a it's a little bit it's a little bit of a bit, it's not a bit, but it's a, the story is a story. The um, I get there and the trainer's like, "This is how we'll do it. Um, take these and he hands me five marshmallows. He goes, "When the bear's not looking, take a marshmallow and put it in your mouth, and then casually walk in front of the bear and and show him the marshmallow like, haw, and allow the bear the opportunity to engage you and take the marshmallow out of your mouth with his mouth. This way, he'll learn to trust you." And I'm like, "Fuck that! Wow. Like, who needs that trust? What <sighs> like what I'm borrowing money from him?" Oh my gosh! So, but you don't know any better at the time. I'm 28 years old, maybe 29. Oh my god! And I, and I did it, and then he goes, "All right, we're ready." I so go, the, what the fuck was that like when that bear tongued you? I felt like you were making out with a homeless person, oh. like just fucking bear lips look like a 17 foot woman's vagina, wow. just going ear to ear on you, just and his giant teeth and his and just, giant head and just tongue right behind the marshmallow. Now, what is to it suck like it out. knowing that that bear went and killed somebody after that? I, uh, I don't know. I think it's probably like the guys who did, missed their flight on 9/11. Like you don't think about it. You don't go like because you. I didn't die, so I'm like you were the appetizer. <sighs> yeah. Fuck, dude. But yeah, it's the. Uh, I mean, the entire experience was like 
terrifying. We ended up fighting. And then they go, so look, if you're in trouble, just say marshmallow. Because then that's your safe word and we'll get you out. Marshmallow. Yeah. And so that fucking far beginning of the fight, I'm like, fucking marshmallow. Marshmallow. <laughs> and they're, the bear's just throwing me around. I'm like, marshmallow. And then the bear put my face in his chest and I couldn't breathe. And then, and then he spun me doggy style and fucking had me in a bear hug where you're like helpless and then i just started looking at the crew and the trainer and i'm like marshmallow get me the fuck out of here marshmallow and the trainer's like go limp i'm like please be talking to me right now and not the bear <laughs> there's a bear cock climbing up my jeans <laughs> marshmallow but yeah that's the i mean that's technically how it went down so they didn't save you no i, I went limp and slid out of the bear uh-huh. and then the bear ended up sitting on my face and then my wife they put a marshmallow in her mouth, and the bear got off, and then they pulled me away. Oh my God! Is you, that well, online? Your, your wife, you you let your wife get kissed in the bear? Let, I didn't. I didn't after I would, he was so worked up like that, oh, he, I would she never did it. do she that. She did it, and then wow, I went in and crazy. tamed lions that day. Tamed four lions, dude. Fucking washed an elephant. I mean, literally. What's wow? Herbert was the was the, probably the greatest show no one ever saw. God damn, dude! You're giving me anxiety. Just yes, listen yes. to these stories. You, so why is it somebody with so, such anxiety? It seems like you have a lot of ex- anxiety and yeah. stuff that do all these crazy shows because you also do a show where you like ride the craziest roller coasters yeah. and you do all these intense things, but it seems like you wouldn't. It seems like you'd be cooking shows or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why they, I don't know how I got these jobs. Like I just got them like, like I don't, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know why they go to me. I think. Well, how did you get the first one? I how got did the, you get Hurt Burke? I got Hurt Burke I did the Ass Wax and then. So was, the Ass Wax was for what? The X Show. It was for the X Show. Yeah, and then, okay. Now I remember the X Show. We that now was the I'm funniest fucking two minutes of television when Joe was on because Gary Valentine. We all went into Gary's green room. Me, you, and Kevin Sussman, and Jeff Gary, Sussman. Jeff Sussman, yeah. and and we were talking and bullshit. And, and one of the producers came in and they're like, "So here are the questions we were going to ask Joe." And Gary's like, "Fuck that! I've known Joe forever. We're going to be fine. We're just going to go out there and riff." Do you remember this at all? Sort of. So we go out. It's me and Gary and you. And you you sit down and Gary's and Gary was I love him to like a brother, but he was the worst host in the world. <laughs> the worst. So he goes, All right, welcome back. I got my buddy Joe Rogan. I've known Joe forever. How you doing, Joe? And you're like like just like pretty good, Gary. And he's like, All right, all right, yeah, okay. Ha ha ha. He just locked and then, up. And then I was like, So Joe, you are doing the MMA thing now? And you're like, Yeah, and he goes, Ha! Joe, you've always been in that, man. You've always been into that. Ha, ha, ha. And it was so uncomfortable. They made us do it again. You don't remember this at all? Sort they made us do God. it again. So then they go, okay, Gary. And he's like, they gave him the questions. And he's like, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Fuck, don't worry. Don't worry. Fucking worry. I got this. I got this. Come on, Joe. We'll just, uh, I'll get you into one of your bits, okay? All right. Hey, we're back. I'm here with Joe Rogan. Joe, I've known Joe forever. Joe, I haven't seen you in a while. And you're like, yeah. And he's like, you've been on the road? And you're like, pretty much. He's like, great. Ha, ha. <laughs> Ha ha and and I'm fucking laughing my tits off next to Gary and Gary's like ha ha and then you're like then they're like take it again and then you're like ask me about this ask me about that and Gary's like yeah 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 that's where we'll go that's where we'll go but it ended up being dude funny. I completely forgot about this that's until hilarious. you just brought it up I, this is like an old dusty memory I want to like, see it I'm in a corner of an attic right now with a broom going is that what that is yeah let me clean that fucking get a flashlight do you have a flashlight it was so dude, I completely fucking... that would have been erased forever. If you gave me like a piece of paper and said, describe your appearance on the X show, something really crazy happened with Gary Valentine, I would have yeah. wrote, 
Never went on that show. Don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, that's <laughs> crazy. Do you have a? Co- is it that online anywhere? No, those were the outtakes that they'll uh, never use. The X show was like a maximum. It was, it was they were trying to do like a maximum, like Maxim magazine, sort of a TV show. They were trying to do wasn't a the, hot, sexier man show. Wasn't the guy from Studs? Wasn't he a part of that? Mark DiCarlo. Yes, he's actually a really cool dude. He he was. Do you remember Studs? No. Oh, Studs was a show that was the most ridiculous dating show like ever. Oh yes. And it was yes. like the the most arrogant guys and the the most clue. It was like the, the one of the first looks into reality TV. Probably. But we didn't recognize it because it was a it was sort of a a, a you know a show. I mean it was like you know it's a, a dating show. We didn't recognize that it was reality TV. It was a uh, yeah. Mark DiCarlo and then he got fired. That guy Justin from like uh, the movie with. Um, Alicia Silverstone. Mm-hmm. Do you remember Clueless? Yeah. He was the pretty boy. I don't remember He got that. fired, and then John Weber got fired, and me and Gary Valentine got brought on. Oh, and, that's right. You guys came in at the very end. And we were, and that's how I met Stanhope, because it was up between me, Gary Valentine, Doug Stanhope, and some guy, Scott Henry. Wow, if you and, stick around in Hollywood long enough, man, you'll have some crazy stories that oh, just accumulate. <laughs> I, remember, I remember going to the improv one time, and Stanhope was on stage. And I don't know if he saw me or if he didn't, but he ended up doing like 15 minutes on me, like on just you? just making fun of like. Uh, but it was very. Was like, it was which very, show? What was it from? The X Show. The X Show. He, and he goes. He was just talking about a shitty show on television that they give to a younger comic because he has some heat generated behind him. And Ooh, that sounds what better. It's, what it's like, but it was like it was really funny. It was murdering. And then I was in the back, and I go, and I'm sitting there like, I wonder if he knows I'm here. And then, and then at the very end, he's like, "Don't get me wrong, Bert Kreischer, you're a nice guy, I'm sure, but I want to see you one week in fucking Iowa when it's snowing and you can't leave your hotel, and there's only there's only an Arby's to eat next door to you, and you gotta fucking drink wine just to get through the and like does this whole bit, and then I'm in the back, and I'm just like, I'm fucking leaving because I was like, so then, so then, cut to like, or probably four years later, I'm in Sacramento, soulless. Empty, like in the fucking taffy district or wherever the fucking place is, and I, I, I'm just empty and I'm drinking a lot. And I, I email Stanhope, and I'm like, I wonder if I can reach out to the dude because comics are all like you know each other, right? So I email Stanhope, and like 20 minutes later, I get a message back, long, like a long, like, oh, welcome to the quickening. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just emailed me now and then, like, how you doing, baby girl? <laughs> Stanhope called me up the other day, pie-eyed drunk. <sighs> called me, and I, like I tried to like I, I realized like right when we started talking, you know, he wanted to talk. I wanted to. He got in an altercation with Janine Garofalo on the green room, Paul Prevenza's green room. So I wanted to hear like oh, his version. Shut up! Yeah, well, I'm so turned this on is, to Janine well, Garofalo. By the way, are you really fucking so it? turned this, on? It, on it feels like it's 1993 right oh, now. Oh my gosh, she looks so good right now. But go ahead, for real? Yeah, she stopped drinking. She is looks that healthy. what you're into? You're into that look? No, at all yeah, the choices. Maybe, maybe I am. My wife. Tracy Lord's like in her prime, or I'm going Junie Garofalo. Whoa, Tracy Lord's fuck definitely going to Junie Garofalo. I would wow, have agreed really? in '93. You, Chase, Tracy Lord's, you don't think is hot? Uh, no, I don't. I, no. What is wrong? I with I used to fuck blonde DNA. chicks all the time. Who and cares? Like, She's got brown hair. Oh, I thought she had blonde hair. Blonde, I didn't even notice. 
How the fuck did you know this? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So what happened with Dan Open to Garofalo? Okay. Um, apparently, um, Garofalo, on her first set after 9-11, went on stage at the Laugh Stop in Houston. And according to Stanhope, what she said is that you, you know, everybody should just back the fuck off and Noam Chomsky should back the fuck off and leave George Bush alone because this is obviously a crazy situation. And, you know, and the guy's doing the best he can. And Stanhope was saying that he was very disappointed because he went to see her expecting some, like, really biting social commentary. And yeah. Stanhope was doing this bit about 9-11 that, you know, he was really sticking his neck out there. He was like, you know, where was you? I guess your God takes Tuesday off. You know, he was doing this thing about all these people, like, praying for God and how this this came through, even in, you know, in spite of, you know, all these people. There was this, this religious fervor and he had this big, like, you know, anti-war thing that he was working on. And, you know, he was really into it. And so when he went and saw Janine Garofalo and she's like you know, saying, you know, give George Bush a break, like that always nodded him. So he brought it up on the show, apparently. I fucking love Doug Stan. I talked to Jamie Kilstein and Kilstein saw it and he gave me his version of it. And then I talked to Doug and I got this fucking version. <sighs> you know, Doug gave me the, the drunk man version. He was hammered when I talked to him. It was a really crazy conversation because Doug and I, we have these conversations where, you know, we'll like, like, We'll talk like every few months and it's like, okay, where are you at? What are you thinking about? And then when we're talking, it's like, you know, this doesn't make sense and that doesn't make sense. And then what happens? And, you know, what's the point in even concentrating on any of this? Right. Exactly. I'm there too. Yeah. And we'll have like these weird conversations, you know, where we're just trying to like, how much have you been trying to figure out in life in the last three months since we last talked? And then we try to like figure out, you know, if either one of us has come to any conclusions that make you happy. And in the middle of this, he goes... Is there anything? Is there anything that gives you hope? Is there anything that gives you hope? And I was just sitting there, going, "Wow, what a strange conversation." I'm sober, completely sober. He's fucked up, drunk, and he's going, "Dude, is there anything that gives you hope?" Maybe he's thinking of a tagline for himself. You should have said the flashlight. Yeah, <laughs> that fucking gives me hope. Fifteen percent off. The, now, go now, to my website. Now, what was um? Like it's when you, his his version of it. I mean, he just was relaying exactly what he saw, and he saw that thought it was disappointing that she didn't take a stand. And he's not attacking but, her; he's just telling her. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, quite honestly, after nine eleven, who the fuck knew exactly what happened, and who knows still? Yeah. You know, I I have a real issue with people that want to argue about nine eleven and it's a fucking inside job, or you know, it was just no way the government would have done that. Either argument where you're so goddamn sure. You know, that whole thing is just a, a, a bunch of puzzles. There's a bunch. Of, I watched that Jesse Ventura show, and I don't know if he's telling the truth or if it's real. But if it is real, it, what he said on that conspiracy show is fucking terrifying. Yeah. That Donald Rumsfeld had a press conference the day before the 9-11 attacks where they said that some insane amount of money in the trillions was missing and they couldn't account for it and they were working on it. And then the next day, the Pentagon gets hit in the exact same spot where the accounting offices are, where all that information was stored. That's what got hit in the Pentagon. And they're talking about trillions of dollars that were unaccounted for. I See, I have no understanding of that I and mean, you know it's so abstract to me first of all when you start talking about trillions of dollars i mean i don't even i can't even wrap my head around that yeah. i don't even know what that means and then you know when you, you you tell me that the money was unaccounted for you know and they smashed this uh you know plane into the exact or a missile if you listen to some people into the exact offices like what does that mean now they didn't have a backup somewhere they didn't back their shit up online all that money i don't know what happened to that money so if you don't know what happened to that money then this yeah. conversation's over because we, yeah. we can't talk until we have any information but there's so many different things about 9-11 that make you go, why did that happen? Why did this happen? Why, what the fuck happened to that Tower 7? You can't say one way or the other. You can't say that they did do it 
you know, that the, you know, the United States government was involved, and you can't say they weren't involved. You, you got to look at it and go, what what did happen? You you would you would have to go back in time and watch it all trans. You would watch. You have to watch every single aspect of it play out in front of your own eyes to really be truly sure. Yeah, I believe in some conspiracy. I like believe that the Flight 800 conspiracy. That terrorist got shot by a missile. Yeah, shot yeah. by a missile, and then yeah. Clinton just pimped it and was it like, blew out and blew up in the middle of the fucking ocean. Yeah, man. and Clinton's like, no, that was a wiring thing. Yeah, fuck you and all your tries. That I believe they would in never. That shit. Yeah, if there was a way to avoid telling people that a terrorist attack had blown Th- up, that you airplane, can affect us. Yeah, they'd do it in a heartbeat. Yeah, for sure, they would. They would hide that information. They would say, well, it was an engine malfunction, and that's it. You know, there's, if they could find a way to avoid any any sort of information getting out like that, because first of all, people are going to freak out about something that most likely, with 300 million people in this country, most likely is not going to affect you. It's yeah. an isolated incident, and by the way, we're immune to those isolated instances, but they happen every fucking day all over the world in these places where we're supposed to be liberating. You know, I mean, in Iraq, fucking buildings just get hit by missiles. Whoopsies. Yep. You didn't. We, we didn't mean to shoot this building, but we did. You know, sorry, everyone who died. You yeah. know, I mean, that shit is commonplace all outside of the world. But if the United States government can keep us from recognizing that and just they would do it. Nope. I think they would do it. Do, they would do it. And they would think they were doing us a favor. No. What stand ups uh, stand up stand up like these days? It's angry and dark and yeah. twisted and, you know, resolved. And I want to do I want to do a show. Fuck, that's what it is. I want to do a show called um, uh, Comedy Intervention where you take a guy like Stan Hope and go. Look, here's what we're gonna do. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna have like eight comics that that he likes. We're gonna go through. We're gonna make you one hour special that you can sell on DVD. It's gonna be clean, and you're gonna sell make twenty million dollars, and then you can do whatever you want, and you can have a trust fund for the rest of your fucking life. Because I bet if he spent some time just going through what what would be Brian Regan's set list, I bet his fucking view, like if he had a kid, all this like this, when you had your kids, did your did your like you you the first when you first do you go fuck I'm noticing a lot of the shit everyone else noticed, but then no I didn't didn't think that um, I mean there's definitely going to be things that you notice that other people have already talked about but I just to to this day still like when I I had a little conversation with my daughter this morning and it's like I'm on drugs. You had a you conversation know. with your dog? Daughter. Oh, my daughter. <laughs> I, was I, like, I, I was like, I think you might have been <laughs> on drugs. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like a fucking one of those commercials. Um, I had a conversation with my daughter this morning. I went to the um, the store and I got bagels. She loves uh, she loves locks, you know, like salmon. Yeah. And so uh, we're eating bagels and locks. And I'm having this little conversation with her. She's like, I love salmon. It's so yummy. Is it really yummy? It is. Okay. I would like some more. And we're having this little conversation. I'm looking at this incredibly cute little two and a half year old person who's talking to me that I am just, I love more than anybody I've ever loved ever. And I'm having this weird little conversation with her about salmon. Like, do you want some more? Daddy, I want some more. I am not quite filled up. And then she starts (laughs) laughing and she like rubs her tummy. And then, you know, I give her some more and she's like, delicious. And she tries to make me laugh. And she, and it's like, it's surreal. It doesn't even seem real. Yeah. It's, I, I always explain children to people who don't have children. I'm like, it's just like mushrooms. If you haven't done mushrooms, you really don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You can't say, you know, that doesn't do any good for you. That's just an escape. Like, yeah. If you've done it, if you've done it and you have that op- opinion, then I would like to talk to you about yeah. it. Because I think that's strange that you would have that opinion if you've actually done mushrooms. Yeah. The same thing with children. You know, people say, you know, you know, uh, yeah, it's just a fucking, just a bunch of fucking cells and, you know, no big deal, man. Get over it. Yeah. You, you say that, but it's love. It's love in the purest form. And 
most of the time you're dealing with douchebags in life and it's very difficult to be open and loving all the time and to, to really just put out only positive energy or you feel like people walk over you experiences with that you had when you were growing up getting bullied and i yeah. had and everybody has you know it's very difficult to like put out love like that so it's easy to dismiss it when you have a, an absolute pure form of love for like a baby that you're raising people who don't have them don't understand it's like being a born-again christian Sort of, I guess. Like those, you know, and you almost like you almost have this look to your friends, like, right? Don't don't worry. When you get saved, you'll figure it out. So, sort of, but it's also tremendous responsibility. Where I just felt like a, a massive growth and maturity, and you know, and pragmatic way of looking at things just just kicked into like seven gears higher. Yeah. You know, I started working harder. I started, you know, being focusing more on certain shit. It's like, you know. It's, it's an evolutionary stage. I really believe that just like, you know, when a healthy bird leaves the nest, you know, that's like, you know, you talk to kids that are like 30 that still live at home. They're fucked up. You know, there's something yeah. wrong with them. They never really went out and did their own shit and they, they never really became adults. They, they're stuck in this, you know, this uh, salamander stage where they never quite, you know, blossomed into the mature animal. And so uh, when I, I, I see that, you know, I just I think that having children is an, is another stage like that. I'm not saying that everyone should have children. Oh, I don't think any, that at that, all. No, yeah. definitely not. Or that having children is going to definitely evolve you or that you need to do it to evolve. I'm not saying that. Yeah, some people end up drowning their kids yeah. in a tub. Fuck yeah, they do. Yeah, there's some crazy assholes out there. And not only that, sometimes they get involved with someone who's like really detrimental to you, but you like to fuck them. And all of a sudden you have a baby with that person. And now mm -hmm. you have this incredibly chaotic relationship where they try to keep the baby from you to, to manipulate you and... You know, the, the things can get really ugly. But for me, at least, I think having having a child kicked my my just my whole being into another level. Well, I was I went from being a guy who hung out at the Hollywood Improv drinking until the bar closed to literally the week my daughter was born, being on the road every single fucking week, like taking feature sets for no money, like just because I knew that I'd get better and better. And like really ambitious just horrifically and now i'm now i'm on the place where i think i'm traveling like 50 weeks this year wow just, do you bring your kids your wife with you and your kid yeah i'm gonna take them to, i'm going to uh doing a trip to indianapolis arizona and then cancun mm -hmm. but it's for the Bert the conqueror so we'll go to like the greatest theme park so i'll take them oh that's great and we'll take them we'll just spend the day at a theme park and they and they are have like a an escort and they can just go do wherever they want so now it's 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 turning out. I think this summer we're gonna do it pretty heavily. What has there been any of these uh, rides that were the worst? Like, what's the most craziest one you went to? Um, I think the Stratosphere really fucked my in head up. Las That's Vegas. The one in Vegas? <sighs> Man, I was like bad the night before. I was throwing up in a bathtub and like called my wife and told her I was running to the desert and was like, I'm fucking out. I'm not. Don't. I'm gonna get sued for this production cost because I'm not gonna do it. But don't tell you anyone. You were that scared of it after Dude. you've been on a bull. Or after you've been attacked heights. by a once you've you been, know heights, man. Yeah, heights is, heights is a different thing, man. Heights, yeah. it, it shuts your brain Look down. Look at your man. fingers. You're moving so fast and everything. Yeah. You're, like, as you're I'm stripping. talking about it, I'm getting my ass just started sweating. Really? Like, the second I talk about it, because you get, you, it knocks your stomach out. I mean, I can't even look at the videos online of people on, like, those Russian kids climbing on the tower. We talked about that. Did you see I, that? Fucking, my asshole starts tingling. Oh, my God. It's so hard to watch. I told the, I told the man, my, my wife's like, just tell the producers uh, you, you can't do it and just be a man about it. So I called this guy, Dan Adler, that morning, and I was like, and I hadn't slept, and I'd been drinking, and it was a bad scene. I was a wreck. I was a real fucking, like, wreck. And I was like, dude, I can't do it. It's not going to happen today. And he was like, that's fine. That's totally cool. I get that. But here's the deal. If you're not going to do it, I need you to not do it on the edge of the building. 
Like, I need you to get all the way to that moment and then back off. Wow. And I was like, and he goes, and you do not have to do it. I can, but I can make a show out of that. I can't make a show if you just go, I'm not doing it. So I was like, okay. So I went through the whole thing, did the training, got the jumpsuit on, did all my interviews, got up to the top, started doing my reads. And my cameraman, this guy, Scott Sands, is uh, hanging off the building, literally tethered in and hanging off the building with a camera. Fearless motherfucker. This guy fucking loves that shit. And he's videotaping my, he's taping my reads and I'm on the edge and I'm fucking my, I've, I've pissed my pants a little bit at, at this moment. Like, it's just bad. It's a bad scene. And Scott starts laughing. And I go, what? And he's like, you know, there's like 400 people at the bottom waiting for you to jump. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, there's like 200 behind you right now. He goes, dude, it's going to be much easier to jump than to tell 600 people and the mayor who's waiting for you with a shot of tequila oh, that you're not jumping. So I was the first person. The to, mayor to was the, waiting for you with a shot of I was, tequila? I was the, the first, first person to jump on the ride. I was oh, the, the first guy God. to do it. So I was like, shit. And he was like, I just jumped, man. It's 16 seconds. And then it'll be over. 16 seconds is so long. It's a fucking oh, free fall for 16 oh, seconds. Take 16 seconds. 16 seconds. This is, is your ready. free fall. You just jumped Go. right now. And right now you're going, uh, right now you're thinking, oh, the ride works. But then you're thinking, man, this is really fucking high. The fuck out. This you're is like, really when fucking am I gonna high. Hit the bottom? Like, and you're looking at a target below. Oh my God. Still not even time. You're about eight, eight 80 stories. And right now you're, four, time. you're 40 stories away. You still haven't landed. Did you shit now yourself? Now you've landed. Did you shit yourself? So or what anything? is this? Explain the ride to me because I don't know it. It's, it's controlled descent. So you, they took you in on a seven point harness to, and, and, they, and with a, basically a big fishing reel. And so you jump and you fall and that, that tether makes sure you don't run into the building or like uh, or like swing out. It basically keeps you in one kind of area so you can land on the target. Yeah, but what if it gets windy? I uh, mean, it, they, that, it was very windy my day, as a matter of fact. It, they do it by gusts. So it's gusts of like 45 miles per hour. Right. So it's a windometer. So anytime a wind gust hits 45 miles an hour, they shut the ride down for 15 minutes. And then they wait for the wind gusts to go back down. And my day, they were just peaking, but they were like, they had fucking a hundred people waiting to do it, and they needed to open the ride. And you can you can see that they're just like, oh my ignore god, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. So then I I'm just a fucking, and I've got my producer Lonnie is like in the background with my script, going like, I need you to say I'm here in Las Vegas on the top of the strip. This like, and I'm like, and I just start going, fuck you, Lonnie, fuck you, fuck you, you can fuck yourself. I'm fucking jumping right now, and she's like, Bert, don't jump, and I'm like, fuck everyone, I'm fucking jumping, and now I know they can't use any of that because you can't use cursing right and so then i'm like and then i'm like and then i'm calm down i'm like okay seriously i'm gonna jump okay here we just and they just use that me jumping so then we do it i land i have a religious moment i start crying i take a shot and i'm just like i'm alive there's no better feeling in the world than surviving a fucking 110 story jump what 110 the stories fuck dude 110 stories is the height of the sears tower oh my God. think about standing on the edge of the sears tower oh. and then i get down i do it i'm like fuck and they're like they're like, can you do it again? And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm done. So then, like two weeks later, they're like, listen, we didn't get any of your fucking reads. I was like, what? And they're like, we didn't get any of your neat reads. We need to send you back to Vegas to like p do pickups. Because there's a lot of shit because you were so fucked up that we didn't get. So I was like, okay. So they we have to reshoot the episode, but we're just basically... Everything know, but the jump. Everything but the jump is what they're telling me. So oh. then we get up to the top. Oh. I know where this is going. And they're like, and my buddy Scott Sands goes, look, dude. I put in for like a fucking $120,000 lens. I'm going to sit a mile from you, but I'm going to shoot you from a mile. And if you jump, it's going to look sick. And I was like, Scott, I'm not jumping. And he goes, I'm just saying, man, it's your show. Do you want it to get picked up for a second season? It's going to look sick. 
So then I was like, fuck. So I get up to the top and I'm no, I'm not jumping. I'm no, I'm not jumping. And then I get up to the top and I realize standing on the edge, it's easier to jump than to walk away from it. So I was like, fuck it. And I just jumped again, had the same religious moment. You get down to the bottom. It's not religious. It's like a spiritual awakening where you're like, I'm fucking alive. My, I'm going to hug my kids. Like, oh, they just called. They called Ooh. me two weeks ago and they're like, <clears throat> the Navajo Bridge in Arizona, they want me to jump off it and do a bungee jump. It's like 500 feet. It's pretty gangster for a bungee jump. And Dude, was, 500 feet is really high. Free fall for 400. Free fall oh bungee jump style. God. So How I'm long looking does for. How take? Uh, probably, probably eight seconds. <sighs> And the, and, the, and the real pimp part is You don't jump Four dudes lift you up Like you're on a boat And they just throw you off Oh my god So you're fucking You feel out of control And I'm looking Holy for a celebrity shit. To do it with Cause I don't wanna do it by myself Joe, Joe. Get the fuck out of here And straighten your back up Right away Yeah No I'm fine man You'd don't never worry. do that? No, no Really? Not into that Not into that I'm not, I'm not either But Like I'm doing running I'm not into tricking my brain Into thinking I'm almost dying I get it I yeah. get it. Looks like fun. I don't need that kind of stress in my life. I've, it's all, all my life's filled with right now. <sighs> it's crazy, man. It's not even that much money. Like it's like. Well, when, is it when, helping your gigs though? It should be helping. Yeah, your yeah, gigs. yeah. I sold out five shows in DC this week, and like it's it's but it's a it's family friendly audiences. Oh no! So you you just have to train them to do to watch what you watch. You did it. Well, that's something you were saying too. Yeah, that's what you're saying um when you were talking about uh comedy intervention, like getting someone and, and taking someone and making them super clean and realizing there's so much money out there in that. But, yeah. But if you did that to I couldn't do it clean. Yeah. And a guy like Stanhope couldn't do it either. It wouldn't be fun anymore. It wouldn't be the same thing. It would be all of a sudden there's a job that you can do where you can make money, but you're not going to be really doing stand up anymore. You're not going to be doing what? Doing pa- like your brain won't be thinking the way it normally thinks when you're on stage, or I feel like my brain is just juggling thoughts to me like uh-huh. Ooh, this would be good. You and then, can't do that if you're saying no. Can't go there. Nope. Can't fuck. go here. Nope. Can't say that. Be careful when you say this. Yeah. Don't want to offend any sponsors. So when you do stand up now, um, when you were saying that you get them to like what you like, you know, or get them to know what you do. I start. I start uh, about my kids. Mm-hmm. Like I'll start. I mean, they're not good. They're not by any stretch of the means clean jokes. One joke's about my daughter. My daughter's in a room. My youngest was fingering her ass and putting it in the dog's mouth. <laughs> and so, and so. They finger their assholes all the time. It's so disturbing. Stop. She's I, like, she'll be talking to me about like playing on the swings and she's just digging in her vagina. Uh, yeah. Just oh. fingers in her vagina. So maybe we can go on a swing? What do you think? Maybe we can do that? Oh, wait, like, maybe no, you can stop fingering yourself when you're talking to your dad. <laughs> no, wait. That's <laughs> fuck. The, uh, the, um, but that joke, when you, do, you, when you do something about your children fingering their ass. Yeah, you gotta be careful. Careful. Takes all the parents mm-hmm. that went to see a clean show and puts everyone at the same level and goes, oh, that right. shit does happen. It does happen. So then once their yeah. brains get reset for that, then uh, they go, okay, all this shit does happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not being mean. I stopped right. doing racial jokes, like being heavy on racial jokes just because I was like, I don't fucking know. I don't, I don't care. Like I don't give a shit enough about equality to tr- put my job on the line to try to make everyone even. Like I'll, I'll get into nights if it's an all black room where I just do black jokes. But not mean, but just what I do, black jokes. Right. But, um, and then you do that. And once you do that, you have a fucking power of attorney to do anything. Cause even the clean people go, my kids finger their ass too. Right, right, right. You know? And then, and then, and then I improv, I talk to the audience a but lot. But when you were saying that you, um, you used to do, uh, uh, racist jokes or racial jokes, racial jokes. You know, you and you stopped doing them because they offended too many people. No, I never got. No one ever got offended, but I just noticed that I was, for one, I was obsessing on it. 
Oh, okay. I could I would write I could write all day long I could write jokes about black people. <laughs> I mean, if you sit me, I swear to God, if you put me in a room with a black audience, all I'll do is talk about black people. All I'll do. And like now the dirty the one only the furthest I go is I have a joke about um just uh I go I think it's racist that they don't make black baby powder. Like I just think that from a company named Johnson and Johnson, they would have thought of that by now. That's pretty funny. And then they go, you know, that uh, that's how I'm gonna make a million dollars. I'm gonna make black baby powder, and then uh, and then and, and then I'll call it Magic Johnson and Johnsons. So then one night, this one, this is great. One night, this black dude sits up in an audience in Miami. He goes, "Hey, motherfucker, when you get done your little joke about black baby powder, I'll tell you I don't make shit." And so I was like, "I think I'm done with the joke now." Like. <laughs> What's, why don't they make it? And he goes, we don't have a problem with moisture the way you guys do. <laughs> he goes, you, every time I hug a white guy, it's like hugging a dolphin. He goes, black people have a problem retaining moisture. Oh. So they have a problem getting ashy. So they have to always stay moist, whereas white people are constantly fucking moist. Whoa. And so he's like, they just never needed black baby powder. Black Dude, people don't use. you. And I was like, but it was awesome. It was like a great moment. I love yeah. Dude, if I could, if I had a videotape of every experience I've had with black people in an audience, I would be a, the most famous comic in the world. <laughs> the I've had black dudes get on stage in Miami, right? Real shit. Uh, fucking three gangsters in the front row. True story on my children. R- fucking, they're ruining the show for everyone. And I go up and I just talk to them. One dude gets up on stage halfway through my set. And he's like, this, this is a real motherfucker. He's keeping a real, real talk right now. Real talk. You know what real motherfuckers getting the 305? And he drops his pants and shows his dick. Place goes bananas, right? They're like, oh, and it's a the biggest, blackest. It's almost purple. It's so black. Like, But it's dick? huge. It's huge. <laughs> and I'm like, that is real. That is fucking real. And then I'm like, how big is his dick? Fucking monstrous. Nine inches. Ten and it's, inches. And it's a, it's, a, it's a shower. It's like a thick. <laughs> it's thick. Thick and uncircumcised. I'm just looking at it like, holy shit. So then I go, I go, man, that's fucking. His name was Ray. I don't know why I remember that, but I'm like, Ray. I go, I think you might want to get off stage because I can guarantee you, you're, they're calling the cops right now, and I don't want you to go to jail for just showing your dick. He's like, I appreciate that. Good looking out. And then he puts his pants on and leaves. So then I go, man, how do you follow that? Another gangbanger stands up, gets on stage. I go, please tell me we're seeing another cock right now. <laughs> Pulls his pants down, fucking just as big, but lighter, lighter, like a lighter brown. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, and I was like, you might want to go catch up with Ray because I guarantee they're calling the cops now. So they're sitting with, I swear to you, all my children, they're sitting with an hairless, a hairless albino. Okay. And I said, and now, and now the, the crowd is like fucking in a fevered pitch. I go, that's funny. Out of all the dicks I wanted to see, it was yours. He stands up. Gets on stage, takes his dick out, and it looks like a lighthouse. Just no grass, <laughs> bright white, and the they're flipping over fucking tables now, like fucking going nuts. And I was like, "Ladies and gentlemen, that's my show." That's that's off. that's the perfect way to end. Got off, just got off. Like that's my show. Damn it. Oh, oh, I literally. How do you follow that? You can't follow that. Can't follow it. I literally and I. A white glow in the dark, Casper the ghost dick. Oh, it was it was beautiful and it was big. <laughs> It was big. I swear to you, it was big. And I was like, oh, I was like, fucking. And then, and then they all waited for me out at the bar, and they were like, dude, we're taking you out. And I was like, I don't oh, think this no. is, this doesn't end this way. But I was in my like, I want to be David Hell phase, hardcore. And I was like, I'm fucking going out with these guys. This is what comedy's about. It's having this experience. I went in one time to do radio. Miami's my crazy club. Like, I go in and I do uh, the fucking morning pimp show. 
and they happen to have this. You do the improv in Miami all the time. You yeah. like that place? I stopped going to that place, man. It's, but you can't. You can't because you're not. You're famous. So when like some they no no club, I stopped going way before I was famous. But that club wants to get the best of you. Like they want to show you you're wrong. I saw no. What happened with me was I was on stage once and I brought up a boxer. I forget the boxer's name. It was, I think it was Oscar De La Hoya in one of my jokes. And oh, you oh you a referenced fight him. Broke out in yeah. the audience over you know you know no fuck Oscar De La Hoya. F- yep. Finish and kick his ass. And then dudes <laughs> were standing up and yelling at each other and like an argument broke out in the crowd over like what boxer was the best boxer. Yeah. And who would fuck who up? And I I just stopped and I said I'm never coming back here. Yeah. Is that just a bad audience? So that could have happened. No, 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 no. That's very common no. there. No, right. Miami Improv. They they lost control of that place a long time ago. They the, just somehow or another they stopped gave away too many free tickets. They or give away a ton of free tickets if you're white because they can sell tickets to black people. <laughs> and then, but so one time I go do the Morning Pimp Show and they have this gang in there called the Zoe Pound. Whoa. Right, a real gang, S- real gang, dude. Look it up. They were on Gangland. Okay, these are all Haitian right. motherfuckers. Dude. So they're doing this. Thing, this song, Amazo, that's the song that they're singing in studio. They have and, a I'm, song? and now, mind you, I'm just doing radio. I'm doing press. Like, I'm just there to fuck around. But I know the one thing I do in these stations, I bring a bottle of tequila in, and then I get everyone drunk, and then I just take my shirt off, and we go fucking crazy. When you do press, you always bring in tequila? Sometimes. Sometimes. What? I've done it before, but I think that's more because I'm an alcoholic and not, <laughs> like, not for, but like, I, sometimes. And they'll get drunk with you in the morning? And you'll sell out the entire fucking weekend. Because awesome. all anyone's doing is driving to work, wishing they were drinking, and then they hear you drinking, and all the rules go out the door, and every show lets you stay on until fucking eleven. That's like awesome. you, it's the, I, it's been like a little trick I've done. Wow, but what do you feel You're like for the rest of the day? day. Mm, take a nap. Take it. <laughs> take a nap. I look at so you, I look at you when you when, when you go into a radio. I've seen your radios, and you'll come in high, high as fuck. And I'm like, how do you function for the rest of the day? Oh, I do, but high doesn't kick your ass. Alcohol, See, I, yeah. I smoke weed, and then I go to the gym. Like it doesn't doesn't affect me the same way. I go like if I'll do like the morning radio, and I'll I'll, I'll smoke some weed before the morning radio. Yeah. Like, I'll go to the gym afterwards. I'll go lift weights. I'll run, or I'll do the elliptical machine. Like it feels good. <laughs> I usually. Yeah, I don't do when that. When I drink, man, when I drink, I'm done. The but next I'm, day, I'm done. I'm, I have a very long history with drinking. So, but, oh, oh, so the Zo Pound. <laughs> yeah, so, so these guys are singing. So we, and I'm doing shots of tequila, and they're, and they, they're calling oh me cocaine because I'm white. Right. And so then, uh, so then I tell them, I go, you guys can come to my show tonight if you want. And they're like, oh, we're coming, we're coming, we're coming. Oh, you're crazy. So I'm like, I'm like, this will be fun because i just seen these guys on Gangland, right? So they come to the show, <sighs> and like 15 minutes in, they walk on stage like Matt just deep with the fucking bottle of tequila and they're like, We're drinking this on stage right now. And I'm like, holy shit. And DJ Laz comes up and we all just fucking DJ Laz? DJ Laz. You say is, that like we're supposed to know who the fuck that guy he's is. He's the biggest DJ in South Florida for like oh, Latinos. Really? Yeah. Okay. But the, like and he'll have, like if you if you're a white comic and you can get in that room and do well, you'll sell out for the weekend. Like you're not sell out, but you'll de- not sell out. You're not I'm buying doing tickets. West Palm this weekend. Not this weekend. Next weekend. That is the this best. You doing is, Paul, and, uh, Paul and Ron? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're great, dude. Yeah, they're great guys. They'll fucking yeah. I've done their show many, many times. Those guys are really cool. That's a that's a great club, and you probably know Johnny, the guy that's managing it now. Yeah, I've been to that club a long time ago, back when it was a smaller club. Dude, I that's your market. Those guys fucking like those people. Like when you get done a show, you know who the big comics are, and you know who the ones that people don't go see are. Goodbye. Based on what comics go. So, do you know guys like everyone always says? Do you know Rogan? Everyone always wants to know if you know Dane Cook. Um, <laughs> Who do you know? Yeah, Who like, do you hang out with in Hollywood? Basically, and I'm always like, yeah, hey, they're all great. They're all great. But uh, do you ever talk shit about anybody? 
Oh, yeah. What comics do you talk shit about? I can't, I can't say. Can't say? <laughs> I can't say. But, I mean, you could probably guess. But, yeah, I, I, talk, <laughs> I talk shit about. I got to stop. Standard I got to stop because there's comics I've talked shit about a lot, a lot. They just came up to me and they're like, dude, I'm a big fan. And I'm like, uh, oh, me too, me too, me too. It's the worst feeling in the world. <sighs> like, is. you know, Ari is someone who I initially did not like. Really? Because I met him one night and he was just standoffish. But he was just Ari. He was. Yeah. He wasn't being standoffish. Yeah, and I wanted to meet him, and then he didn't, and then he walked away, and then I was like, I was like, oh fuck that guy, and then I saw, <laughs> and then I saw his um, amazing racist. Yeah. And I was like, I saw a clip, and then I was wanted to hate it. I wanted to hate it. Really? And I because yeah, that's what oh, because he was yeah. kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. Then I watched it. It was the best thing. I said, I don't give a fuck. When I see that guy again, I'm gonna meet, make friends with him. Yeah. And I saw him at the improv one night, like right after the shit went down with you and Metzia, and like you guys switched. And I was like, dude, I just want to tell you, like, I'm a big fan. Like, you make me laugh a lot. And then, and Ari's just like, really? Thanks, man. And oh, then we hung out. And then, yeah. But if you tell people you like them, then they like you too. Yeah. A that's lot of times. That's all you have to fucking do. A lot of times. Yeah. A lot of times comics are standoffish with each other because everyone is so competitive. Yeah. You know, especially early on. Comics, for some reason, have this weird thing where they think that if someone else is being successful, that somehow or another it keeps them from being successful. Like it, their success takes away from you. Like that could have been yours or something yeah. crazy. It's like this weird illogical connection that a lot of comics make. And it's happened. It almost happens with every fucking comic you meet. Yeah. Why is that? I man? don't know. I think I know for because. I'll have arguments with comics in my heads. I've had arguments. <laughs> like fake, fake arguments? I had an argument with Opie from Opie and Anthony in my head. Never no, met the guy in my entire life. That's hilarious. And I, but I love their show, and I've wanted to get on their show to promote things. Oh, dude, you'd be awesome on their show. And You're perfect for their show. They never let me on. Like They're always like, no, no. They still don't let you no, on? No, still don't let me on. Listen, Opie listens to this show sometimes. I guarantee you he'll hear about this from Twitter, and he'll have you on. I had and a dream Someone last cut night. up some clips of the funniest shit that he said, so and you'll be on Opie and Anthony. So here's what sure. happened. I had a dream last night that I could fly and i flew into opie and anthony's studio and i was walking around i was like oh shit like fly through the I air yeah but there's without a plane without a plane i was flying i was flying <laughs> okay. and it was in a tent it was in a tent and and i went in and they had these gift bags and i was right. like oh so i opened one up and i was stealing one i was like i want to get one of these i love opie and anthony this will be awesome and then it was an opie and anthony scarf so i pulled it out and i went oh fuck i can't use an opie and anthony scarf because then everyone will know I got it from here, and then they'll be like, we didn't give it to you. So I put it back, and then I left. I flew away. And then I was, as I was hovering above their tent where they were doing their show, Opie came in and said, who stole this fucking scarf? Who's? And I was like, you know what? If I man up to this and tell them, Norton will have my back. So I go in, and I go in, and I'm like, listen, I, I'm the one who opened that. I didn't steal it. Norton wasn't there. And Opie's like, who the fuck are you? You're, and he basically, in my dream, my brain told me everything about me that I think, like all the horrible shit. So now I'm pissed off at Opie for fucking saying that to me. So I start getting in a fight with him. And then I wake up, right? And then I literally laid in bed arguing with Opie. Never met him. I listen to his show every day. I'm the biggest fucking fan. So you would like you were like preparing yourself in case you... In case I go in and he literally does the you know typical Opie throw a chest set at me. Like fucks with me, ruins me. Like tries to make me look like a fool. He doesn't really do that to comics though. Oh, he only does that. I mean, he I, did. He used to, I think. They used to a lot. Really? Yeah, they did it to the guy that killed himself. Who? The, the one of the, the guy in the bathtub that. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Richard Jenny. They were the, did it to Richard Jenny. No. Yeah, did Pat. They really? Yeah, they made him like stand outside the studio and they wouldn't let him in. What? Com all radio show guys would sell out their mom for a bit. Wow. Like if they think they, they could get that. a good bit out of humiliating so me. So what happened with the Richard Jenny thing? What 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 was the story? I'm literally I probably listened to every opening Anthony. Just back in the day, they made him sit outside. Um, 
sit outside uh, the studio in the glass, uh-huh. and they would they made him do his interview from there. What? Like I think. Do you I think he mean, was in on it though? Maybe that was. No, like, no, 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 no. I don't think they liked him. Why? I don't know. I don't remember this whole story. I'm probably paraphrasing in a way that makes it horrible. But yeah, he was, was a guy that had a weird reputation though. Jenny was he was a troubled guy. Brilliant comedian though, man. I went to see him when I was an open micer at uh, Catch a Rising Star in New York, and he really influenced me a lot early in my career to the point where I caught myself a couple times on stage when I was really young. When I was sounding just like him, where I was like, "Boo, I gotta fucking make sure I don't." I mean, I'm sounding like I'm ripping him off. Like I'm like, I'm oh. imitating him, you know. <laughs> I think so many comics do that. Oh, he was so good, man. When anyway, I saw when I saw him at Catch Rising Star, he influenced me so much because he just freeballed. He had so much material, he just went all over the place with it. I'd never seen anybody do that before. Everybody that I, else that I had seen do sets, they always had like a sort of a, a, a an opening that they would always do, then they'd have a middle part, and then they yeah. would have a closer. Well, when I saw Richard Jenny, man, I saw him a couple times in a row and every time i saw him he was doing like a different hour and a half he, and i was i was like super humbled he was so quick i remember hosting for him at the hollywood improv and i'm in the back watching him and you know you, i'd come from new york so i was like in my head i was like if i didn't know you in new york you're not anything basically mm-hmm. i was basically saying if you're not geraldo atel uh hedberg in my head right so um so Someone says, he said something, and now we're going to go over there and look for, this is right after 9-11. Now they want to tell us to go over there and look for weapons of mass destruction? What a load of bullshit is that? You think they got them? And some lady goes, they have nuclear weapons. And he goes, listen, you dumb whore. If they had them, they would have fucking used them. Do you think they're holding back? And I was just on the floor. I was like, what a great perception. Like, would they hold, would they use them? Right. right. Of course they would have used them. But yeah, he was he was great. I, he was so prolific, and he was the best guy that I had ever seen at really like dragging the most out of a subject. Like he would get on a subject, and he would fuck that subject up from all different angles. Yeah. And right when you thought he was done, he would go deeper, and then he would go deeper, and you would. It made me realize, like, man, that's something that's really present in amateurish comics, where they will touch on a subject and then immediately have a quick joke, and then immediately go to another subject. It's me. Well, it's everybody in the it's, beginning. It's me. I've gotten so fucking lazy. It's a bad thing, man. You know, it's it's you know, you, it's it's really easy to do. You know, yeah. especially when you get comfortable on stage, especially if you do a lot of ad libbing. Uh, yeah, when you get a good ad lib, you're like, "Well, that was genius. Yeah. I'll keep that," and as opposed to looking for the better one. But Jenny, Jenny would take like any subject, whatever it was, and just find all sorts of angles with it. He never really got the credit I think he deserved. It's really weird, you know. I just think people didn't appreciate how good he was. No, he what was your the East Side Comedy Club in uh, New York in Long Island? I saw him there too, and uh, I remember Peter Bales, who was the host, was just shaking his head back and forth. He's like, he did three different hours. He did three different shows and three totally different hours. He didn't re- repeat one joke once. I was influenced by Atel massively. Yeah, like as a New York. Is that comic? guy you drinking too? Did that? Oh <laughs> uh, no, I was partying a, thing. Or? No, I was. Fu- I told you, I came in. Yeah, explain that because this is a crazy story. You didn't t- say this on the podcast. Yeah, I have. I when I was in 1997, Rolling Stone magazine wrote a uh, six and a half page article about me calling me the number one party animal in the country. This actually gets a little weirder. Were you uh, doing stand-up back then? No, just partying. Just had a notorious reputation at Florida State for being like funny but being a wild party animal. Like what kind of shit were you doing? Just fun shit. Like uh, like fun, I think wild, loudest guy in the room shit. You know, like I remember we, I used to climb up on this telephone pole outside the bars on Tennessee Street. There would be 500 people out there. 
And I just stand up and I go, everyone shut the fuck up and listen. If you want to smoke weed, go to my house. And the cops are all sitting there. I have tons of weed, enough for everybody. And we're all going to have a blast and get high. If you know where I live, you're invited. If you don't, ask someone. Just no one tell the fucking cops. And you'd have literally 500 people just giggling at the idea that someone was offering them weed in front of a cop's face. And what did the cops say when you did this? Uh, they would laugh too. Like one time for a, an election, I got naked for this election and just shit on a pizza box and won the election. Election for what? For my fraternity. I just got up naked and shit on a pizza box. And then and that's everyone. How you won? And then I won. Did you wipe? No, I just shit. I just shit. I learned one very important lesson. When you go number two, you also go one. Because I pissed all over the feet on everyone that was sitting in front of me. But you can't stop it. When you go one, you oh, also go two. Jesus, dude. And so I won the election. So, like, all these stories came out. And then Rolling Stone's like, let's do a fucking, let's do an article on him. Oh, my God. It gets crazier. Ready? So, ready for the, you ready for the part that you go, that you go bullshit? I will never say so, bullshit. I've heard enough of your stories. I'm not saying so, bullshit. So, uh, so... Oliver Stone optioned the rights to my life and then from the article. So then I try stand up and I moved to New York to start doing stand up because I did it once in, in uh, Tallahassee and it went amazing. I got offered my own morning show in Tallahassee. Really? Yeah. Oliver Stone optioned the rights to my life. Like I start doing stand up five months later. Will Smith sees me do stand up and I get a deal, development deal with him, like right out the gates, like Bill Burr style. Holy like been shit. doing stand up for no time at all. Development deal based on the article and that the fact that I could competently do stand up somewhat. And then the development deal falls apart with Oliver Stone. All the guys that have submitted their scripts for Oliver Stone's movie about my life then get their intellectual property back. One of the guys takes his movie, changes my name, sells it to National Lampoon, and it becomes the movie Van Wilder. Wow. So theoretically, and I say this theoretically loosely, I'll never be able to sue. I never would sue. I never would sue. But I went into National Lampoon and did... Do you remember Kevin Couch? He used to have a show on National yeah, Lampoon. Right. Yeah, and XM radio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I told him, I said, bring some execs in. I've always wanted to find out if this is true. So then he brought some execs in, and I start telling the story just like I am you. One of the guys fucking locks up like, hold on, stop right now. What do you want? What's going on here? Is this like an ambush? And I was like, no, I just want to be able to tell it on radio and know I'm not lying. That's all I care about. All I care about is the story being like true. Right. And, and he was like, what do you want? Like your own radio show? I'm like, Ugh, Fine. And then he's like, we'll do a show partying with the original Van Wilder. Are you happy? And I was like, yeah. And so then he was like, pretty much, I was like, so I can say it's Whoa. true. But so yeah. they were That's worried awesome. you were going to sue them. They were worried I was going <laughs> to sue them. because we Well, could. that must mean you have a case. I, Why don't you just go fucking sue those cunts? Barry Katz said to me one night, Papa, you can be one of two guys. You can be the guy that sues and doesn't work, or you can be the guy that doesn't sue and works. Which one are you? And I was like, I'm the one. Anything that- Barry Katz would tell me to do, I would immediately do the, the exact opposite. opposite. <laughs> Barry Katz, Barry Katz was like. Barry Katz used to drive a Ferrari while he owed <laughs> everyone money. He looked like the Grimace when they'd sell a toy Grimace in a car. Just a big head sticking out of a tiny car. He's so crazy. He was, a, he was like a big brother to me. He was my manager for a long time. What happened? You got rid of him. You wised up, right? Yeah. yeah he I just, do. It was like he just wouldn't. He just never could get in touch with him. You know? <sighs> So I just went to the levity. No comment. I want to rewatch Van Wilder. But it's pretty crazy. I think if you want, I've never seen Van Wilder. I think this is what you do, bro. You find out what the fucking statute of limitations is. Get to a point where you're so talented, you're so funny, you cannot lose. You yeah. just have to keep doing what you're doing. You yeah. cannot lose. You're a very, very entertaining dude. 
they can't stop you. So once you get to a certain point, and then you go after them. Get yeah. to a certain point where you're in, embedded into the zeitgeist. I was just looking for a reason to use the word zeitgeist. Right? <laughs> zeitgeist. Very important. I show you my range. <laughs> my range as a man. What is it? It's a strange conspiracy movie that they've got three episodes oh, right, now. Right. It's actually the cultural, the idea of the, you know, the mind of the, the culture. Get into the consciousness of the culture. The zeitgeist is like the the mind frame, like how where, where people's heads are at right now. The zeitgeist. There was a new one that they just did recently, I guess. It's all, but it's a lot of it's like nine eleven shit. Of course, and, yeah. I tried to watch the first one. Incorrect cool. shit about certain things about religion. I was like, oh. yeah. So, so and then you get zeitgeist debunked, and things get really cloudy, and people go online and debunk it, and who's right, who's wrong? I don't have time for this shit. Yeah, you know. But you should sue the fuck out of those Van Wilder <laughs> no. punks. I'll never, I'll never sue them. Okay, I'll that's never all sue nice. them. How about I I'm pretend like, I'm you and I'll it. sue for you? Do it, and then just, just let me swim in your pool. Give me your email address, bro. Yeah, you can swim in my pool anytime, bro. Come on over. Bring, bring your daughters. We'll I bring my party. daughters in a heartbeat. Little, little park out here. My daughters will think they time. swim, and they're like, oh, "I can swim, daddy." And I love just that first second where they jump in and then sink, and then you save their lives and you see Whoa. rescue in their eyes. I can't swim, daddy. Wow. Um, I'm not into that. I'm into showing them how to swim. No, I'm try- no in <laughs> trying. No, in trying to teach them how to be swim. Be like daddy. That's a, yeah, t- exactly. I don't throw them in like you're fucking my jump. uncle Johnny. Like you go for it. This is how you learn, boy. I don't know how I learned how to swim. That's like, how they did it to us. They just threw us in fucking pools. I can't you, remember not knowing how to swim. I, I just always knew how to swim. I went to swimming lessons. I must have really. Done yeah. I just got thrown in a pool by my uncle Johnny. Fucking uncle Johnny. Same that dude whose son fell down a flight of stairs. Really? Same uncle. And Northeast, baby, that's how they did it. Irish Catholic, they'll be in a fucking pool, learn how to swim. Yeah, I grew up. Yeah, I grew Native up American style. In Jersey and in Boston, my formative years. That that Northeast sort of a mentality. There's a there's a there's a lot to that. Yeah. It makes makes people like more go getter. You know, it makes people more ambitious. Yeah, it makes people more the kind of people that can button down and get shit done. You know, there's something about California. There's something about this weather where it's 85 degrees in, in so January. It just makes you weak. It just makes you a soft little bitch. You know, I wrote this on my Twitter, and I really believe this. People need visible nature to keep them humble. You need yeah. to see that snowstorm coming where you know you can't <sighs> do shit. Sit the fuck down. I hope you have logs to burn because you might need and the power might be out for a week. Yeah, you know, no one's going anywhere, and that quiet—you don't even know what quiet is until you get outside in the middle of a blizzard. When the blizzard's over and everything's covered in snow, like three feet of snow in Boston, I would go outside and I—you could hear like, like the quiet has like a sound to it. It's yeah. like it's empty. It's like you don't hear anything. The snow absorbs it all, and it's almost like a fake world. Like you go walking around, and everything is white. It's like I really feel sorry for kids that don't grow up with some snow. Yeah, don't don't get to experience that. And those fucking school days when you when you get a day off and you go outside and everything's covered in snow. I never grew up with snow at all. The only problem with that is you could die out there. You'd fucking freeze to death. Fall asleep in a snowdrift and yeah. lose your foot. Did you hear about this lady in Toronto that happened last week? The coldest night of the year. She uh, Apparently she had dementia and she froze to death outside in a neighborhood while she was screaming for people to help her. Wow. Yeah. Shit. Yeah, everyone's screaming. She just died out there. She was Apparently she was a, just a known nut. So like, look at that crazy broad out That's there That's why screaming. I don't drink in the snow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of dudes fall asleep and lose and a foot. die. Yeah. Lose a foot. Everyone loses a fucking foot. So do you still throw them down like hardcore? Like you still partying it like you were? Or have you slowed down a little? I don't know. 
I th- I don't know. I'd, I've had a major stretch where I didn't drink. At and all? Th- yeah. Did you feel different on stage when you were sober? Oh, I don't drink on stage. As m- Here's the thing. Let me rephrase that because everyone that's listening has seen me on stage is like, hold on. You fell off a stage <laughs> one night. The uh, Like, I've fallen off stage twice. The, really? Hammered? Uh, kind of. Not really. Like, I wasn't that drunk. It just was bad footing. Oh, okay. Like, once at Tampa Improv and once in DC Improv. But, um... But yeah, here's the thing. As I go up, I drink, I, I will have a beer when I get on stage. I will drink it fairly fast, probably, uh, to sell drinks throughout my show. And then I probably sit. And then people say, Did you do sh- that on purpose? Yeah. Really? Like David, Tell, David Tell said to me one night in Miami, I probably said, I was featuring for him. He said two things. When you're featuring, you should write all the time. You should never go up and try to kill. You should be writing and writing because no one gives a shit about you. And then the second thing he said is when you do get headlining, remember you are there to sell drinks. Like as much as you want to do your art, the more drinks you sell, the more appetizing you are to the club. And the club will bring you back if your bar sales are high. doesn't matter what your ticket prices are. Whoa. So I literally just went on stage. And I remember, and Attell would be like, he'd bring up, he wouldn't even bring a drink most times. He'd bring up like a, he'd have them send, sh- I mean, whatever. I don't want to get behind Attell's theories on drinking on stage or what. But I would just go up and drink a beer. No, so, but so we could figure, I mean, complete what you were saying. He would bring up shots? That well, I'm, I don't know. Now he doesn't drink, so I guess you can say it. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, he's pretty open about it. He wouldn't drink shots. He would drink, it would be like coffee. Yeah. Oh, he would fake it. Yeah. Oh, wow. But he didn't drink now, so I don't think he gives a shit. But hmm. he would tell me, he's like, you got to be sober, man. You got to be working up there. Like, that was a tell. A tell was never a fucking drunk on stage. Right. So, but I would go up and I still, I mean, I can drink a lot of beers. I can go up now and I'll usually, what I'll do is I'll play a song that's inspiring me. Like, because I, you know, you get bored doing a lot of road work. Like, one was this song, Alcohol, Pussy, and Weed by the MJB and 8-Ball. Just fucking great. <laughs> Just first 30 seconds of the song. Alcohol, pussy, and weed. Alcohol, pussy, and weed. Just, and that got you fired up for a show? And, and, it, would just, yeah. and it was also because I was having family-friendly people come out, and it would set the stage. So then the, um, the second song I do is this <laughs> song by Maxim Ludwig, and the Santa Fe 7 was a really great song. And then now I go out and listen to Black Betty by Ram Jam. Yeah. And then as the song plays, I'll maybe fucking throw off a shirt, pound a beer. Is that that song? Whoa, Black Betty. Bam a lamb. Whoa, Black Betty. Bam a lamb. Black Betty got a child. Bam a lamb. The damn thing don't lie. Bam a lamb. Send your not a mind. Bam a lamb. Oh, Black Betty. Bam a lamb. Down, down. Down, down, down. And right now, everyone in the crowd's fucking pumping. And I'm like, everyone raise a beer. We're pounding a beer right now. And then the whole fucking room lifts a beer. We pound it. And then right there, you just increased the entire bar staff, but the bar bill for the club by five. How many dudes are going to slide into trees on the way home, though? (laughs) My cousin fell down a flight of stairs. (laughs) He was at that show. Oh, that was the one? Yeah, because then then everyone sends shots. And we're talking like like aggressive. What's What's the most shots you ever drank on stage? Oh, I, I couldn't even guess. I couldn't even maybe like, I don't know. Take a guess. More than ten? Oh yeah. Um, More than fifteen? No, no, no. Probably around ten or twelve. I've had a lot of shots on stage before, but uh, and those shows don't. Those shows are usually more chaotic. Like I had one in Tampa recently. This was like a really great moment where you're just so drunk you can't function. So, <laughs> so I bring a I bring a black guy on stage and I do an interview. <laughs> so I bring a black guy. Yeah. He shows his dude. Thank you. Can I? That's like a great new closer for it's, you. I bring a black. It's the best. It's the best. You bring a black guy on stage and then one of two things will happen. Either you say something totally hilarious or all the white people will just applaud for whatever he says, right? Right. Oh, he's an engineer. Yay, good for him. He's not one of the best. You know, like that's what happens. So I bring this black guy on stage and I'm like, and I, I tried to guess what job he did. And then 
I used to have a great one where I bring a black guy, a Latino on stage, and I go, "Let's." <laughs> I'm going to say it the way I say it. You say it the way you say it. And, <laughs> and then I go, I would like to take you on a date. And then the Latino guy would be like, mummy, mummy, mummy. And then, the, and, then, and then the black guy would be like, can I play and get some conversation? And then we'd do like a bunch. And the crowd loved it because they were like, oh, that's right. The white guy's nerdy. And then I'd always close with, all right, how about this one? I'd like to apply for a home loan. And I give it to the black guy. And he's like, oh, it was great. It was great. So I bring this black guy on stage in Tampa. And um, I said to him, I go, I don't, I'm at a loss. We're having a great moment. Talk, making jokes any then you can slide whatever jokes you do have in your pocket into that moment looks improv place fucking flips out right like i tell oh you remind me of my black friend and he's like oh you got a black friend i'm like yeah his name's imaginary and so then just bam <laughs> right off the gates so then so then i tell the black guy i go what do you want to do and he goes let's sing a song i go really he's like yeah i go okay i go what song do you want to sing and he goes journeys don't stop believing i, I was like all right, I go, do, do you have that in the DJ booth? So they start playing it, right? And so now it's me and the black guy singing Don't Stop Believing back and forth. Just a small town girl. And he knows all the words and it's killing. Then I have oh them God. cut the music and the whole crowd starts singing. And it's like just this like living in a lonely world. She And you can literally, we would cut the music and then have it turn back on and everyone's right on time. Wow. And then at the end of the show, it's me and the black guy, no music, and the crowd's still singing. And it's like, do it soft. And then you can hear 350 people go, just a small time. Like, don't Whoa. stop believing. Yeah. And then I'm like, do it as a, in a Mexican accent. And then the whole crowd's, don't stop believing. And then the black guy's doing it one more time. Shirts, his shirt's off, right? And then the whole crowd sings. I grab his leather jacket, throw it on his shoulders. I'm like, we're done. And the, and you just, that moment, you can never recreate that. You can't recapture it. You can't try to do it again. Yeah, that's live performing. It's just being in that moment yeah. and, and being 10 shots in and going, I don't. Fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. I this can't end bad. <laughs> but awesome. yeah, those are those moments. And then but here's the problem, then you get addicted to those moments and then you f sometimes like like I, I got this like 90-year-old woman off stage and we were dancing to alcohol pussy and weed and I've got her pinned like donkey style. Like my um, hands on the ground, hey, yeah, my yeah. legs are up over her shoulders and she's just going like this and then you get addicted to that and you want to create that and you stop doing stand up. She was doing that to you? It's online. Just type your in. Wait, her, her, she it's was on top to of you and your legs were over her shoulders? It's really hard to explain. Okay, I'll see it. I'll look for it. But it's just type in. Uh, well, I want to hear more though. Just tell me more. Um, yeah, so then, but, but you get addicted to those moments. Right. Because then, then like what happens is like you have the story that maybe a comic tells another comic. When Bert was in Miami, um, three gangbangers showed their dick. And then other comics are like, dude, I can't wait to work with you. I want to see you work because I hear what you do. And you're like, <laughs> and you're like, I don't do that all the time, but like, but now you it feel does pressure. happen. Then you feel pressure. And then you go to a set at the Hollywood Improv and it's just fucking eight minutes of material. And you're like, that was uninspiring. I mean, don't get me wrong. You have those moments where like, like those oh shit moments where you're just like, this will never fucking happen like this again. Right. And those are moments, too, when you're doing like an hour on stage and they get to know you and you're really in the groove with the crowd. And oh, and it's a gone moment. gone through a lot already. Best. Like, this is, and I give this to any comic listening if you ever need to do this. Because sometimes you get you get that reputation and then they go, you go to a club and they're like, listen, we got a marriage. We want They want to propose on stage. We told them it was cool with you. Listen, it's a shit dick moment, but here's what you do. I'm giving this to every comic that wants to use it. It's brilliant. It came in the moment. I was had like four shots of tequila. I had a guy who wanted to propose to his chick. This is what you do. Bring them both up on stage to do a shot of tequila. Okay? The guy knows he's pr proposing. You Don't worry about that. Get him on stage, and then you tell the girl, we're going to play a game. We're going to blindfold you, and you're going to have to feel our chests. 
just our chest and tell which one's your husband and which one's me. And then she's like, okay, so you blindfold her, right? Then you tell the dude now. And so he gets on his knee with the ring and then you just release the blindfold. Dude, you want to talk about 200 people like crying, like, oh my God, the perfect setup. And it's such an easy way to get out of that. Like, cause a lot of times when you're a young comic, the manager just be like, they give me 500 bucks. Just make sure he proposes to her. So if you're a comic and you ever get stuck in that situation, feel free to use it. It's how I did it. And it killed. There's now, what do you do after that, though? Just get all fucking stage. <laughs> <laughs> Someone play back. You should write a book called Burt Kreischer Exit Strategies. <laughs> Exit Strategies. <laughs> well, those are awesome, man. Dude, thank you very much for coming on the show, man. You're no. fucking hilarious. Yeah, this is one of the most it. fun podcasts I've ever had. Me and, too. You know, and knowing that you enjoyed listening to it, now you're on it, and you probably made one of the best ones we've ever had. Yeah, I, I, I won't listen to this one, but I can't wait. I can't wait. You can't tell the Tracy Morgan's. Morgan story. Can I can you? tell it. Yeah. You can tell it. Of course, please I can tell, tell it. the Tracy Morgan story. Okay, and we're, we're going to end on this. Thanks to the flashlight. Uh, go to uh, JoeRogan.net. Enter in the flashlight. The the thing. It's like Rogan, Rogan. is the code name, yep. and you get fifteen percent off. Uh, I'm in February fourth. We're at the Mandalay Bay Theater. Uh, it's me, Joey Diaz, and Ari Shafir. That's like a three headliner combo there. And then next weekend, not this one coming up, but next weekend, I'm at the West Palm Beach Improv, the 28th, 29th, and 30th, and that is also with young and talented Ari Shafir. So tell me what the fuck happened with Tracy Morgan. Okay. I'll preface this. I want to be safe and preface this that my buddy Jay Moore does tell this on stage. We have an agreement. He's my friend. He's not a thief, okay? that's. I just want... I know that Jay is concerned about that, but he told me he's not telling the story anymore, and it did happen to me, so I don't give a... I mean, this okay. is a true story. So this is a true story. It's a true story. So I was a young comic working in uh, at the Boston Comedy Club, working the door. In New York. In New York. In the village. To, yeah, and I used to party with all the black comics because they... Well, because I don't... Cause, Why would you like to? Yeah. And so we uh, we ha- used to have a good time. And so then um, one night, Tracy Morgan comes in. This is when he's starting to get back into stand-up after SNL. So, like, when you were a young comic and a new celebrity came in, you, like, had to see that shit. Had to. So I go in, and I watch Tracy's set, and it is not. We have nothing in common. He's doing obs- observational material, and his observational material is like, all right, yeah, okay, okay. Who remembers Venga fucking by the handball courts? <laughs> and, and I'm just like, and he thinks that's a shared experience, like losing a sock in the dryer. Right. But like everyone else. And then he walks you through. He's like, you put that bitch up against the wall and just pussy pop that bitch. Wouldn't even kiss her. Put your arm in your own stank. And now you have a visualization of like Precious getting boxed out at a handball court, making eye contact with passerby, just getting her pussy blown out by Tracy Morgan. Oh, <laughs> so, God. So, but then he, he comes on stage and he's like, fucking, yeah, I'm I hit that man. I got this new bit about my dick being so pretty out you can suck it with the lights on. <laughs> like, which is a genius statement because I've never had a blowjob in the light, but he just didn't word it right, right? Uh, uh, so uh, my dick is so pretty you can suck it with the lights on. Yes. So, uh, so, uh, so, so he um so he goes, he uh so then he goes, Hey, you want to get high? And I was like, Yeah. And because I'm a grown up. And so <laughs> we walk around the corner and he pulls out this wreck of a joint, hands it to me, hits it, gives it to me. I hit it and it tastes like shit. It tastes like sweat socks. Like just, <laughs> just like, and I'm like, What the fuck is this? And he's like, Oh, you never smoked Sherm before? And I was like, What? And he's like, Sherm, baby. Angel dust, PCP. You never smoked Sherm before? And I'm like, You just gave me fucking PCP. <laughs> like, 
How did you know? Oh. Who ever taught you how to get high? Like, oh my God. so I panic bad, like hardcore anxiety attack. I go back to the club. I go to this older black comic who was and still is one of my good friends. And I go, hey, man, Tracy just gave me PCP. He's like, oh, oh, let me tell you something, shorty. Uh, Tracy doesn't smoke PCP. He's not. He's fucking with you. I was like, what? He's like, he's, gonna, he's just smoking pot. He's fucking with you, though. He's just getting in your head. And I was like, no, I smoke BCB. I'm feeling weird. And he goes, whatever you do, Shorty, don't go to your house. You hang out with us tonight. So I'm like, all right. So I do my set. I bomb. We all go out. And Tracy <laughs> is in downtown Soho, like that, right on Houston, right? And he's in a club that is like one of those railroad clubs where it goes all the way back. You have to like walk down five Flight, a flight of five stairs to get to and he's in the back he's been there like 20 minutes and he is holding court with his shirt off okay shirt off bottles of champagne covering his table there's other tables that have champagne on it he's buying it for them i buy her a bottle of champagne right now i got a pretty dick like just eddie murphy gave me this whatever the fuck he's saying is like loud and boisterous so i sit at the table and I think I'm on PCP, and I start ordering Heineken's separately from this wreck of a bar tab he has. And so I'm getting Heineken's, and then the whole night goes through. It's kind of an interesting, bizarre experience, but like 2 o'clock in the morning, and uh, Tracy and the waitress comes up, and she's got the bill. And she puts it in front of me, because I'm at a table with all black dudes. <laughs> so she thinks I'm their agent or lawyer or coach, whatever I am. So she gives me the bill, and I see it, and I'm like, oh, I can't. And Tracy Morgan flips out, and he goes... Oh, what the fuck is that? That's fucking racism. You give it to him? He works the goddamn dough. He doesn't do anything to make any money. I'm the rich motherfucker in here. I'm on TV. I'm the rich motherfucker. And he flips the bottle of champagne table upside down. Now the woman's like, um, sir, sir. And he goes, hey. And he takes his shirt and throws it in her face. A bouncer comes up and he's like, excuse me, sir. And Tracy just wham, lays the guy. And the biggest fight I've ever been in just breaks out all over. People are fighting, jumping on it. And I think I'm on PCP. So I walk out to, on Houston and I start going, this isn't happening. This is imaginary. This is not real. People are flooding out left and right. And they're like, dude, that shit's going off. Tracy's got like four dudes on him. And I was like, holy shit. A minute later, the doors kick open, and Tracy Morgan is launched out of the club by the back of his neck and the seat of his pants, just up onto the they street. They put his shirt on him? No, up on the street, shirtless, laying at my feet on the sidewalk. Doors close. Second later, doors kick back open, and Tracy's shirt comes out end over end and lands on his head, and it's silent. And we're looking at Tracy like, fuck, this is crazy. All of a sudden, he looks up, stands up, takes his shirt, snaps it, and he goes, now that's how you get out of paying a check. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's crazy like a fox. He's the crazy. He fucking just walked out of a six thousand dollar bar. Tab just Holy by shit! Getting kicked out of the bar. But you yeah. really did that? That's, that's all. That's awesome. I mean, do you, you ever know, have to pay for it? Whatever. I have no idea. I, mean, I, I never. I, here's the thing. I that only was met, it. I only met Tracy once. That was. <laughs> you, know, you don't hang out with a dude more than that. Oh, Hilarious. I would never leave that guy's side. Oh, I would have to be hanging out with him every day. <laughs> I would have to be hanging out with him all the time, yeah, especially was, if I didn't have kids. I was just, I was just like, like Jay used to tell. I was telling you, Jay used to tell that story that it happened to me when we do stand up. And man, like people would be like, "Get out of here!" But like, I don't know Tracy, and I doubt he remembers the night at all. Fuck. And I'm like, and you know how stories go in your head when you start telling them a lot, then you like shorten it and tighten it and yeah, punch it. Yeah. And I've been telling that to comics for like 12 years, ever since that happened. <laughs> and I was a stand-up doing stand-up for like two months. That's hilarious. Now you weren't on PCP. You just thought you were. I wasn't on. P I I don't know. I was. I was, was probably strong weed. Probably strong weed. I doubt Tracy. Smokes PCP. I've heard him on NPR interviews say he's never done drugs. 
And I can, I mean, I don't know. He's never done drugs. He said on NPR. PCP is something that you would probably tell the person, even if you were a PCP yeah. user. And I think here's know? the thing: is Tracy, Tracy's got right. that like, I would say that like prison mentality of like he'd rather fuck with you than really fuck you up. Right. Right. Like I think he'd rather get in your head than like fuck <laughs> you. I don't think he's a mean, mean spirited person. Right. He's just playing. He was just playing with you, and then and then I'm the one white guy hanging out with all black comics, and so then that's funny that he thinks he's on PCP. That's a great. Story. But the best. That's a fucking fantastic story, dude. Mm, that was thanks. one of the funniest stories ever. Next time I'll tell you about when I was in the Russian mob and we robbed a train. Really? It's a true story, but I'm not gonna tell it now. Okay, dude, you're coming back again soon. Definitely, folks. If you want to follow Bert on Twitter, it's B E R T K R E I S C H E. Are follow him, please. One of the fucking funniest guys we've ever had Thank on the show. Thank you very much, man. That was so much fun. Yeah, I had a blast. And uh, we will see you, bitches, on Tuesday. Holla at your boy. Later. Love you.